This is the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with me, Dr. Fuck, and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley. So come on and let's go and enjoy another episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast! Hey, 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 what's up? It's Dr. Fuck, and with me is... Yeah! Ian Wadley from uh, New Orleans, who's too busy to... And too lazy to introduce himself. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So uh, we are the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Uh, we're a kick-ass podcast that's that's doing great. <laughs> yes, right, we are. right, Ian. That's right. We're Correct, holding sir. steady in the storm of podcasts. Yes, we are, and, and, and we've even outlasted some podcasts now in our short history, and I'm proud of that. Uh, the only thing I'm really proud about this podcast, well, well, not the only thing, but one of the things is that we kick ass and uh, that we've never missed a week. Every fucking week, a new episode. How long can we last doing this? That's right. And we even had weeks. Remember uh, when we had the big uh, Terrence Fire sale? We put out, like some weeks, we put out like three, four episodes in a week. Oh, yeah. we. You know, in retrospect, that's a bad idea because now, looking at my folder... <laughs> we better get on the ball because we only got one more episode after this. Yeah, we, yeah. Got, we got to knock out a bunch of other episodes. Yeah, yes. Well, actually, we have we have another one you forgot about, but I can't talk about it on air. But uh, there's, there's another one you forgot about that we did a long time ago. Why not? Why don't you hint at it? Uh, is it is it the one where when your mom hears it, she's gonna really get mad at me? That one. <laughs> That's every episode. <laughs> no, that, no, there's one that you said, oh, my mom's definitely going to hear this one. Because that's the only one that's left. All right, so uh, before we get into the news, I want to tell you about uh, the Twisted Sister Blu-ray that just came out. It came in the mail yesterday, and I watched it in its entirety today. It took me two and two hours and 15 minutes to watch it all. Nice. Yeah, and it has loads of extras that I have not watched yet. So, But I can't give you a good review now. A lot of people don't seem to like the fact that it kind of, it's only Twist Sister, you know, the bar band. Uh, it does go up to, you know, like Stay Hungry when it became platinum, but they didn't really talk about Stay Hungry. It kind of ends right there. It just shows like, you know, from the, the very beginning all the way to 1984 when they finally became big. But it doesn't go anywhere after that. But what I would say to those people is watch behind the music. Because behind the music, you get to see that because when the documentary gets to Under the Blade, all the way up to Stay Hungry, that that part of the of the movie is repeated. It's pretty much what you see on Behind the Music. It, they tell the same stories. So you kind of like the part, when it gets up to Under the Blade, it's like, oh, I already heard this. So I'm sure if it, it would have had Stay Hungry and come out and play, it would have been the same thing, what we would have saw in the Behind the Music. So do yourself a favor, watch this, and then watch Behind the Music to get the full Twisted Sister story. Um, what I will say that's very interesting about this is, holy fuck, do they have footage of Twisted Sister from the early days. Like the original Twisted Sister. There's actually footage of the, the Twisted Sister before Dee Snyder, where they had a black drummer with a big afro and a different singer. And then they had then D, even footage of Dee's band, Peacock before uh, Twisted Sister. And then when D joined, before Mike the Animal Mendoza, before Eddie Hojita, 
Well, Eddie Ojeda was in the band before D. Was it Ojeda? I always thought it was Ojeda. Oh, yeah, it's Ojeda, yeah. Uh, don't listen to me. Okay. I got a P. <laughs> anyway, uh, did, go they, did they show D's first band? I, you know what? I think they did. I think it was there was a very small clip of D. Snyder uh, film footage of him performing with. Uh, there was another band he was in other than Peacock, and it might have been that band. Yeah, it, they were called D's Nuts. D's Nuts. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know how to play this game. You should have said, "Well, you know the name of the." Oh, I know the name of the band, and I would have said what, and you would have said D's Nuts. You see, you don't know how to play this. That's hey, why. I'm... That's why the score is still ten to four. Hey, I, I'm drunk. I take what I get. Yeah, I know. That's true. It's kind of like uh, being in a contest with a cripple guy. It's not right. You know? It is. It is. It's, not it's right. like if I was to go, uh, race at the Special Olympics, you know? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, uh, but it's a really good story. Uh, it actually, it is a little slow in the beginning, a little bit, but it picks up. And boy, holy crap, were Tw- Twisted Sister popular in the club days. I mean, not, they were, they were, they sold out the Palladium. They were playing 5,000 uh, place venues. They weren't really a bar band. They were more of a theater band. And they didn't have a record label. I don't want to give none of it away. It is a very good story. It starts a little slow, but it starts, you know, JJ talking about, you know, how Twisted Sister started and how he was into the New York Dolls and all that stuff. And uh, there's a really cool uh, story about Zebra. Oh, nice. With Randy Jackson being in <sighs> Nice. He's being interviewed in it. And uh, I recommend it. If you're a fan of Twisted Sister, this is a lesson. Like, you know, I love Twisted Sister. And there was a lot of stories in this shit that uh, was very, very interesting. And I and I thoroughly enjoyed it, you know? Well, well, I'm, I'm one of those. I will say uh, I'm one of those ones who will bitch. Now, I'm not saying I won't enjoy the movie. I'm sure I will. But... I would rather see a four-hour fucking movie that covers everything because uh, I, I don't know about you, Ralph, but I love to buy biographies of bands. Uh, but but what I do is a little bit weird and different. When I get a book, you know, that's that's about a band, I don't start at the beginning. So nine times out of ten, I don't give a flying fuck about your childhood if you were awkward in high school or how everybody met. I love the drama. Like... If I'm reading an Aerosmith book, I start at Night in the Ruts, and I read to the end, and then I go back to the beginning. If I'm reading a book on Kiss, I start at, like, the solo albums, and then go back to the beginning. Uh, what I would really love, like, like if I had a book on Twisted Sister, I would go straight to Come Out Play, and read the rest, and then go back. Not saying that they don't have an interesting story, and I do know that they were huge in their area in their market like nobody outside of new york would know that but i i I love the decline i want to see how everybody handles it when it all goes fucking south i i understand that ian uh but one one thing i will tell you about this documentary there are many declines even during those days this band this band almost was finished like four or five times during the 70s they were you know there were situation where they looked like they weren't going to go anywhere, and they kept going. And it's very interesting. I'm just—I know what you're saying because you right. want to know about what you know about already, but you want to hear the inside scoop of come out right. and play and stuff like right. that. And I understand what you're saying. I'm just saying right. this one, this does have all that, 
that you want to hear from come out and play. It has all that during their club days as well. They they went through some fucked up shit. I mean, I mean, dude, I'm I'm gonna give away one part. I have to. Fuck it. I don't care. Uh, okay, go ahead. Dude, they got signed by a, nobody. Nobody would t- touch Twisted Sister. They finally got signed by some Bobo label. They were so happy. They met the guy. He was uh, the the label is called X Records from Germany. The guy caught a plane from London to New York, then back to Germany. So when he landed in New York, Twisted Sister met him at the airport. They got everything signed. So he's going back home to uh, you know to finalize and get the shit started. On his way back home. Oh shit! And then there's something happens later that's even more bizarre. It's like nothing goes right for these guys. Right. And, and the way w- and the way they did get the label on Atlantic is fucking amazing. You got to see that Bru- because no. Atlantic threatened to to fire the guy if he mentioned Twist Sister one more time. Yeah, that 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 I I knew that part, and I'm telling you, I know I'll love this, but it's one of those things I know it's going to leave me where I want a part two. But let's be real. Oh yeah, actually, I think there will be because I don't, I don't, I don't think there will. I don't. Well, I don't at the end, the, at the end, it had a little hint to that. Oh, this is another story. I also want to say that the guy that made this documentary uh, has no connection with the band whatsoever. It was an outsider that did all the research, and it wasn't like a biased uh, type of. Uh, you know, um, you know, like a fan. It wasn't like a oh, fan thing. And also, it does have a great, great interview with AJ Perrow because you know I, I'm sure this this was done before AJ died because right. AJ, AJ filmed a segment for this. Uh, well, many segments. He doesn't appear till toward the end because you know he wasn't in the band before right. that. But, but my thing with this is I remember when they were doing this and it was it was crowdfunded. You know, like fans were donating money and getting special shit to get this made. And while I'm going to get it, you've already got it. And I don't think it's going to sell enough where they're going to like, oh, we got to do, you know, The Godfather Part 2. I just don't think it's going to sell enough to warrant somebody doing a Part 2. And that's unfortunate. Uh, and that's why, man, I, I would rather see them, like, do one four-hour movie. Because the chances of us getting a part two are like the chances of us getting Strangeland part two. We're lucky that got made. You know? You like that? You like Strangeland? Um, yes and no. I I enjoy it. Do I think it's a great movie? No. But do I enjoy it? Do I watch it multiple times? Yes. You know? But uh, I don't ask for much. So I'm never disappointed. I I saw it in the theater and I was like, I can't believe this this is this bad. Especially yeah. the part where he fell from the tree, and that what a rush! That, that when that happened in the movie, I was like, "All right, it can't get no stupider than this." Yes, it, it did make Shocker look like Nightmare on Elm Street. I, mm, yeah. I, 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 will, I will give you that. Oof. But uh, but yeah, uh, I definitely I'm excited to see this. I'm glad you got to see it. I need to get my Blu-ray soon. And all of you who are interested, please buy this Blu-ray using the Amazon. Uh, I got I got another story now. This is a first for the podcast. This is the first I know of one of our former listeners getting arrested. Former listener? Former? Well, could be former, could be still current, I don't know. I, after last week's episode, I don't know if he still listens, but, uh, but potential current listener, could be ex-listener, Michael Shanahan was arrested last week. 
Okay, uh, 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 refresh my memory. Who's that again? Uh, uh, Shannon. Uh, still not ringing a bell. <laughs> uh, Lucky Charms. Um, uh, no. Okay, anyway, this douchebag was arrested at a Donald Trump rally <laughs> in, New, in, New, in New York. Oh, wow. I didn't know this. Yeah, this shit was, it was on uh, Fox News. Uh, apparently, while some black protesters were getting thrown out of a Donald Trump rally, Shanahan ran after one of them, jumped up, and bit them in the kneecap. Because <laughs> he's very short, get it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and he he was arrested. Uh, luckily, so far, there's been no ties to the podcast. You know, all that shit went down in Columbine. They blamed fucking uh, Marilyn Manson and shit and Romstein. Uh, so far, we haven't been named in this, and, and, and thank God, because I sure as fuck ain't vote for Donald Trump. But, uh, yeah, this is the first I know of one of our listeners getting arrested. Wow. I wonder if uh, the people he bit caught cancer from it. Oh, my God. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure they got bad juju. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I, I feel bad for that guy's kneecap, and uh, that kid needs to calm down. That's all yeah. I can say. He's, he's not making America better, that's for sure. Oh no, <laughs> he's not. He's not making America great again. I should say. <laughs> All right. Well, still the big story this week is ACDC, and now comedian Jim Brewer has come out and said uh, that the whole kick to the curb that wasn't out of the mouth of Brian Johnson. Well, you that... should you should like go back because we didn't discuss this in the last episode. What happened was he came out and said Brian Johnson said to him that he was kicked to the curb by the band. But now he's saying, oh, no, well, Brian Johnson didn't say that to me, right? Right. Okay, Right. Right. Well, what what, what he told uh, Jim Brewer, basically, is, you know, he was sad. You know, he said, I was warned this by the doctor, but he's, but now I guess Brian Johnson said, ACDC is making it sound worse than what it was. And he was very depressed about it. And then Jim Brewer said he kind of took the ball and ran with it. Which is surely understandable because Jim Brewer really hasn't done shit since fucking Saturday Night Live or fucking, uh, uh, what was that movie he made with uh, Dave Chappelle? Oh, How, half, half Baked. Yeah, Half Baked. But now he has a podcast. So maybe this might draw people to his podcast. But uh, still something's rotten in Denmark. Who knows what's going on with ACDC? You know, something's been brought up as how they treat uh, members of the band who aren't original. And Brian Johnson has been quoted as saying, you know, he's felt like a hired gun his whole time. Uh, and I know they, they did stop letting Brian Johnson write lyrics, like shortly after, you know, I think the last time he wrote lyrics was maybe around Flick of the Switch. Wow. Yeah. Um, so I find it very weird that they're going to continue without him, but Angus is the youngest and they're saying like Angus really wants to do like another 10 years and he knows he can't do that with Brian Johnson. Brian Johnson is going on 69 years old, you know, and especially to sing in that style and to have the hearing problems that he has. But the big question is, who could you get now that people would give a fuck about Dr. Fuck. Well, there there you go. I mean, that's one choice. You know, a but, lot of people a lot of people give a fuck about me that listen to our podcast. Yes. 
Yes, that now that is true. Yeah. Now that is true. But we're talking about a global level here. Oh man, I, come on, man! Don't get exaggerated. <laughs> and uh, I know a lot of people are throwing around uh, Mark Storacci. Yeah, I like to see that from Crocus. But here's the thing: Is Mark Storacci going to put asses in the seats? No, you know? it doesn't. Look, 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 look. We're talking about ACDC here, which is Angus Young, just like Guns N' Roses is Axl Rose. It doesn't matter who they get to sing. If ACDC continues without Brian Johnson, trust me, we live in a planet that cares about the Grammys and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It doesn't matter what you and I think, Ian. We can sit here and say it's wrong to we're blue in the face, but we'll be saying it while we're sitting outside going, I'm not going to watch ACDC while they're playing to a sold-out arena. You know what I'm saying? So it doesn't matter if Mark Storacci or fucking Peter Chris is singing. That thing will be packed. Okay, well, well I, I, hear me out here. I'm not saying that, you know, people who already have tickets that supposedly are still going to be honored will go to. But I'm saying to carry on from this point. Because, like, honest, in all honesty, I see it as they have to do it with somebody famous. And do you want to go see ACDC with Dave Grohl singing? I will, I will give away my tickets. I won't go to that. All right. Well, well that's, I'm in the minority, you know? Well, I understand. But I'm thinking, like, like I was listening to Eddie Trunk talk about this, and he brought up a good point about how they're rescheduling these shows and they're honoring the tickets. But say you spent $250 on a ticket because you think you're going to hear Brian Johnson and do all that. Well, if they pick a singer to replace that you don't like, do you get the opportunity to return that ticket? Yes. Are are you stuck with it? You know. I believe we are. We 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 did. I I believe we do have the option to return the ticket. Yes. All right. Well, here's the thing. If he really does want to continue after this tour and say a new album, I really think. Not that I'm saying it's the right decision, but I think it, it's almost going to have to be a, a name singer. That can bring attention to it. I, I really do. And as much as I think Mark Storacci would sound great, I don't know if enough people besides... I mean, we know who Mark Storacci is. And we know, like, other people were talking about the dude from uh, Rose Tattoo. Yeah. Uh, what is it, The little dude. Angry, angry, um, angry Anderson. Angry Birds. Yes. Uh, you know, he would be great. But I got a bad feeling that, you know, they would do like a a Van Hagar thing. Now, here's the good news. The good news is Sammy Hagar already turned it down. <laughs> he said he's oh, he he said the circle and chicken foot have always been bigger than ACDC. Uh, and his solo career. Yeah, yeah. And, and in fact, you know, he's like, yeah, ACDC opened up for me like two years ago when I was with the Wabaratas or whatever the fuck they're. So, thankfully, he's out of it. But I kind of see, like, a, a bigger name going to be, if this is truly what they do, and, you know, ACDC hasn't said shit. They've been real mum, uh, you know. And to tell you the truth, I don't even know why they would continue without Brian Johnson at this point. Now, the only thing I can think of, because these motherfuckers got money. Angus is so fucking rich. Off of fucking back and black. Did you, ever, did you ever see his house? No. He's got, dude, check it out. His house is like a castle type thing. That on each side of the house, 
has like this stone uh, figure of him with the horns. Now, I don't know. Maybe that's somebody else's house, but I saw it online at Vangus's house. Well, I mean, this dude is so rich, but here's one thing I could think of. Okay, maybe like what happened with his brother has just gave him like a renewed vigor. You know, like where, fuck, this could end at any moment. I'm going to do as much as I can. Because I can see that being more motivation than money. Because this dude is filthy fucking rich. Out of all the people at ACDC, Angus and Malcolm were the richest. You know? So it's not money, but it could be a, a, a sense of urgency. Like, hey, look what happened to my brother. I want to do as much as I can and nothing's going to stop me. And I think he should. Yes, but in a way it's like... but do you... Yes, it's sad, dude. I understand what you're saying. It is sad. I would love to see Brian Johnson up there. But, you know, I'm, I'm not... I'm just... I'm insane, dude. I really am insane. I see it this way. Look, Angus Young, ACDC in general, has been... A band that never, ever buckled under trends. Always did their own fucking thing. And they deserve all... They're, they're that one exception. Because, you know, we all love bands that never went anywhere. You know? And real bands. Real killer bands that are so overlooked. And they, they're they poor. You know? They, they, they had to break up. There's a million quadrillion bands. But a band like ACDC is the exception where a band like them shouldn't have succeeded. Because they're so real in a planet that's so fake. And they did it. They defied the odds. And they're huge. And now without Brian Johnson, I'm sad about it. I bought my I still got my ticket. I want to go see him with Brian Johnson. But if they come back with an unknown singer or Mark Storacci or some guy I don't hate, like, you know, I, I can't picture David Grohl. That would be no, insane. I, I'm, I'm using that as a you. I know. I'm somebody just, who's, I know. Who's there's no way he would do it. I mean, there's no way he can do it. But I would go, I would still go see ACDC because of Angus Young. It's the only reason I would go see it. Would I be happy about it? No, but you know what? I respect the man so much for what he's done and what he's done in my life that, you know, I'm sorry. I don't mean to be rude to anybody out there that's saying they should hang it up. I don't mean to be a dick, but it, this is just my belief. I respect the guy too much to tell him to stop. That's it. All right. Well, there you go. So as long as it's a singer you like, you're in. And and look, and, and, and you know how I feel about Black Sabbath. I mean, yeah. I'm not going to see Black Sabbath without Bill Ward. It's just, fuck you that. Are, you already did. No, no, I'm saying now. You know, the last <laughs> the end tour. And that right. was, dude, I had front rows, dead center seats for free. Come on. Right. Well, well, well is the end tour coming to you even? No, but if it was, I wouldn't have gone. Unless okay. I got a free ticket again, dead center, but... My point is, I, I see people online going, well, you know, should I go see Black Sabbath? I go, have you ever seen them? No, then go. I encourage people to go see shit I'm against. And like Guns N' Roses, this whole thing with Guns N' Roses that's going on, it's like, yeah, I would love to see Izzy and, and, and Steven in the band and see a full, but if it doesn't happen, there's so many people out there that would love to see it that will fill the stadium. And fuck it, let people, let people, have fun. Fuck, fuck everybody out there that's like, oh, fuck it, they should stop. This ain't cool. This ain't great. This ain't Guns N' Roses. Fuck them. It's like, no, fuck you. People want to see it. So fuck you. Stop being a commie. Thank you. Alrighty. Well, uh, here we go. Next story. Uh, now, this is a very sad story that came down the pike, of course, last week after 
we did uh, the previous week's news. Uh, Keith Emerson from Emerson Lake and Palmer is dead. And, uh, and I first saw this. You posted something on the Rock and Metal Combat page on Facebook. If you're not there, why not? Uh, and I was like, oh, shit. You know, and then, then I posted up, you know, uh, a video for Tarkus. And I was like, oh, man, here goes another one. And then only to find out hours later, he didn't, well, just die. He killed himself. Yeah. <clears throat> and supposedly, initial reports were saying he killed himself because he had a deteriorating hand disease. You know, it's something like I would say, like like a type, a form of arthritis, and he could no longer perform, and uh, said that he was very depressed about that, and and that contributed to him offing himself. All right, well, Greg Lake came out and said that uh, he doesn't think it had to do just with this, uh, you know, with with his hand condition. He thinks it's more a case of severe depression, something that he noticed in. Uh, in Keith Emerson as far back as 1977 and just said he was a very depressed man uh, and, and that his condition had, had worsened in the last, you know, couple decades. So it was more, you know, he contributed more to his state of mind than just like, you know, his physical debility. And, uh, you know, it, it's sad. Uh, I was lucky. And I'm not a huge, huge Emerson Lake and Palmer fan, but I do enjoy them. I was lucky enough to see them when they got back together in the early 90s. I saw them with Jethro Tull, and it was an amazing show. Um, but it's one of those things, it's like, I don't feel too bad for people that kill themselves. I really don't. Uh, there's certain instances. Like, if you are in extreme pain, like physically, like if you have a condition that, you know, can't be cured, and, 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 and your quality of life is horrible, and it impedes you, it impedes your family, and you want to off yourself, hey, man, I get that. Now, if you're depressed over a girl or money or something like that, it's just like, bitch, toughen up. And that's just my opinion, you know, and that doesn't mean jack shit. That's just my personal opinion. And, uh, you know, he's he was 71. He's still could have lived a decent life even if he couldn't play piano uh but it, admittedly i have a hard time uh with people's depression uh i'm, I'm not that sympathetic and then that's my fault not knowing buddy else's but it, it's sad to see him off himself i mean like like i was really pissed at robin williams when he off himself I'm like what the fuck dude but then i found out hey he was coming down with ms and like if you're like in your 60s and you don't want to live with MS, I get that. You know, if you want to do, you know, if you want to off yourself, hey, cool. But I mean, if it's for a bullshit reason, I don't understand. But if it's like physically, like your life physically will never be the same, I get it. But like again, like I said, that's just my view. What do you think, Ralph? Well, I, I don't know if you heard this, but you know who, who who's under suicide watch now? Um, Joe Satriani, because he has to perform with Sammy Hagar. Now, I will give him a pass, because that Yeah, is, you know, that I can understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When your life is that, okay, first of all, you're bald. Second of all, yeah, yeah, nobody gives a shit. Third, you got to play with Sammy Hagar. That's, yeah. uh, yeah, I, 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 he, 
he meets my suicide criteria. You know, like you 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 get a full pass. Hey, Ronnie Montrose killed himself. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah. Don't, because... don't mean a lot, but ooh, two and two together, huh? Yeah. I mean, one plus one equals suicide. But uh, uh, but my my thing of Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. Now I'm gonna show my poser side of me. See, I don't know nothing about them. All I knew was "Welcome back, my friend" to the song that never ends. I, I I didn't care, I, and that's all I knew. I never looked into them. Well, there's this really cute girl that I met. I met this girl. Well, maybe I shouldn't say this. Well, maybe she's listening. Whatever. I'll let her know. I mean, she knows this already, but. <laughs> This will get. This is the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast where we get off the subject. Well, I met right. this really cute girl at the place where I, uh, the studio I perform at, and uh, where I record at, and uh, I also perform. I do stand up there once a week, and um, I met her there, and I thought she was really cute, you know, and I, I struck a conversation with her because I found her attractive. And she knew, oh, here's the funny thing. When she walked in the room, she said, hi, Ralph. And I was like, ooh, who the fuck is this? I don't know who this cute girl is. Anyway, uh, to make a long story short, uh, you know, we, we, we spoke a little bit, blah, blah, blah. And then when I leave and go home, she sends me an invite on Facebook. I was like, ooh. So I add this girl and, I, and I'm like, hey, you know, uh, thanks for the invite, blah, blah. And we're going back and forth. She goes, yeah, yeah, maybe I'll see you at some shows soon. She's like... Yeah, I might go to that show. I go, man, I hope so. And she sends me back a wink, and that's the, the end to it, you know? Then, uh, like, I don't know, a week or two later, I see pictures of her on vacation with her husband. Oh! Was yeah. it Keith Emerson? No, it wasn't Keith Emerson. But but um, here, here's the thing. It was some guy called Shanahan. Anyway, so... Ah! So, so um, she puts up a video a song from Emerson, Lake, and Palmer when the guy died. And I'm like, oh, let me hear this. It was an awesome tune. Now I can't remember the name of it. But it was a really good song. And if you're part of all types of music, I put it up on there. Was uh, it, uh so, from the beginning? No, it was it was very mellow, Still, acoustic-y. Uh, from the was, beginning, it's like that. No, it's good, though. No, it's not that one, but it's, it's really good. Still, you turn me on? That's it. Yeah, great That's song. That's the one. That's yes. the song. I heard that song and I was like, yeah. "This is a great song, man." Yeah, real, real short but beautiful. It's like, it's not. It's under three minutes. Off a brain salad surgery. Great song. There you go. That's the song. Yeah, she put that up. And you know what? Even though she's married, she still turns me on too. Hey, there. Hey, you, go. you know, and I don't know. I don't know the husband. So what's what's no harm, no foul. Oh well, there. And, that, and let that be a lesson to everybody out there listening to the podcast right now. If your wife comes on to me, I don't know you that well. All right. All right. Next story. (laughs) Uh, Europe is getting ready to celebrate the 30th anniversary with some final countdown shows. All right. You got to stop. You're drowning, bro. I know, but, dude, it's just, it's so frustrating, dude. I'm paying for this shit. Tell me about it. I feel the same way when I pay for a hooker and I feel teeth. <laughs> well, that ain't my mom. I <laughs> know. Oh, she takes them out. <laughs> All right. How about now? Better? Still underwater? Yeah, yeah. You sound better now. All right. All right. Well, Europe's getting ready for uh, their final countdown 30th anniversary tour. 
They're going to do some concerts in November where they're going to play the final countdown in its entirety. Luckily, none of these shows are in the U.S., <laughs> so we don't have to worry about going to this. Uh, <laughs> like, like, like if we weren't going to anyway, Ian. I know. I know. <laughs> hey, hey, it's like what? Oh, Europe's coming. You better go, or you're getting a bullet in the head. It's the but, final uh, countdown if you don't go. I, I I like a few songs here or there. But I like Superstition. I think that's a good I one. I love that song. I really I'll and never the, first, the Wings of Tomorrow is not a bad album. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, their first two albums they were like European metal. Yeah, it was know? good. Good stuff. But uh yeah, oh when you said superstitious, I'll never forget that debuted on MTV the day before I started freshman year high school. And uh I thought it was cool, but I still didn't buy it. I've never bought a Europe album. I've never heard a Europe album's entirety. I've but, never, I never bought one, and I own, and I own three. Wow. Yeah. Uh, well, I have, I have them online. I don't know how I. Doctor X must have got them to me, but I still haven't listened to them. But what I'll never forget, and and this is, it was the lamest. I knew it was lame when I was in junior high. MTV played a, a Europe concert. And Europe opened up the show with the final countdown. Oh, yeah, I know what you're going to say. Yeah. And they and, ended with it. And they closed with the final countdown. What a fucking sign. Yeah. But, you know, they, you know, I saw, remember the band <laughs> Naked Eyes? Yes, I love Naked Eyes. I saw them here at the casino, and they opened with, Always something there to remind me. And they closed with that. Exactly. That, that's a sign, like... You are a one-hit wonder. And I know a lot of people really love this last Europe album. I mean, a lot of like listeners of the show, uh, you know, uh, Eddie Trunk, a lot of people have sung the praises of Europe's last album. And they really make it sound like the final countdown was an anomaly, you know, that the rest of their shit doesn't sound like that. But I just don't give a shit enough to check out the rest of it. But... Yeah. If you like if you like that shit and you live in Europe, uh, you can see the final countdown and uh, you're gonna hear Cherokee. You you know you're gonna hear Rock the Night. Sherry, right? Is that on there too? Yeah, yeah, Carrie. Carrie, Carrie, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're gonna hear all those songs in their entirety, and probably more than once. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. All right, uh, another passing. And this is somebody I didn't even know existed. And, and I know that sounds terrible. But Nick Green, who was the keyboard player. Oh, for, yeah. Uh, for Bird. I was yes. like, damn, I didn't even know they even had a keyboard player. Well, I mean, I mean, if you hear the album, you know, somebody. Oh, I, I know what you right. mean. But still, I mean, he right. doesn't, when you look at Blue Murder, it's a trio. Right, right. But, uh, you know, I always assumed it was either like Tony Franklin or John Sykes. And it, it might say in the in the liner notes, and I just never, you know, noticed it. I always thought it was Shanahan. Ah, yeah. Now he just plays with himself. Uh, but yeah, Nick Green passed away from cancer, and uh, sad to hear. Uh, Tony Franklin wrote some nice stuff on Facebook about him, said he was a great guy, a lot of fun, and saying that you know that album wouldn't sound that way without his contributions. And uh, sad to hear that passing. So if any of Nick Green's fans or family are listening, we are sorry for your loss. I will we'll give you a pass, Ian, and I'll give myself a pass. But fuck that Lee Gershman for not even mentioning him once on the fucking podcast. Oh, yeah. Blur 
How cold is that guy? Very cold. Man, how can you not mention this dude that played keyboards in Blue Murder? I bet you feel now that he's dead, don't you? Yeah, and considering that Lee Gershman has wrote so many crescendos on his Casio. Exactly, he should know this stuff. And have you listened to Lee Gershman's songs? Actually, I heard one of them and I actually really enjoyed it. It was like, like a ballady one. He act, it's a video of him playing the, the keyboard. Yes! I yes! Liked, I enjoyed it. Dude, I, I am not shitting you. I swear. Well, I can't. I swear on David Lee Roth. Dude, I really enjoyed Lee Yeah, I, I I feel like he's talented. He can actually play that thing. Those those were catchy So let songs. that be lesson to you, Lee. See how we're talking about you as a keyboard player? Yet you didn't do that on the Blee Murder episode? Right. Shame on you. That's yeah. why I like Bill Wang more than you. So, the next time we have uh, uh, Frank Lee Gersman on the show, we want an all-new original Casio-written song to debut on our show. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. actually, you should write a song called The Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. That's right. Get on it, Lee. Yeah, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And, uh, oh, man, I got to give a shout-out to Lee, too, man. Uh, we got to think... He, you know, he's kind of like uh, hot and cold with our with our audience. You know, there's some that love him, there's uh, some that don't like him at all. I've only seen two people who didn't like Lee. Okay, well, still, I I, I personally like him a lot. A- Andrew Jacobs, Andrew Jacobs, right. and and Robert Basari. I don't know if I wait. Didn't him Michael W. Howard not like him too? I could have sworn he didn't like him. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> You read that guy's post? I don't even know what the fuck he says. <laughs> uh, fucking, you know, like, yeah, what C. Thomas Howe cares about isn't on my barometer. Sorry. C. Thomas Howe. I, I love you, brother. I'm just busting balls. Uh, I like that guy, yeah. He's yeah. all right. He's all right. Uh, yeah, yeah. He wants to be on this show. Does uh, he? Yes, he oh, wants we to. Oh, we got to have him on. That guy has some wacky taste in music. Oh, with uh, Lynch Mob, right? He wants to do yeah, Lynch Mob. Yeah, he wants, to, he wants to do Lynch Mob. All right. Yeah, unfortunately, we want listeners, so it might be a while. <laughs> but, uh, all right, next story. Well, it's pretty much been announced now what the Guns N' Roses lineup is. And uh, it's pretty much what a lot of people have been calling for a long time. It's going to be Axel slash Duff, Richard, Richard Fortas, Dizzy Reed, and Frank Ferrier. And supposedly... Izzy and Steve will be involved in one-off shows and whether or not uh, it's both of them together or one's going to be at one show or one's not it is up They're probably debate. just going to come out and like they'll probably play like Rocket Queen or something, you know? Right. Well, one, one would hope. Uh, again, and I've said this a million times, but this story, it does keep growing. But uh, I, I could give a flying fuck. I'm not going to pay to see this shit. Uh, but like you said, hey, if people never saw me, I got to see it. I might. I might. You know you know why? Because if it was Matt Sorum, I wouldn't do it. But I think that Frank guy's got a good groove, guitar playing. I, oh, and- I, I might go see it, but, uh, but I won't travel. It has to well, come to me. Right. Well, here's the thing. I, I, I'm not saying anything against the players who are with them now. I'm sure they're all capable players. But for what they're going to be charging for this bullshit... If I'm not guaranteed that it's all five and I'm going to see a full show, dude, I, I can see fucking ten fucking shows at clubs by bands I really love 
for what I would pay to for one ticket to this fucking uh, you know cash cow. Right. And 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 that's me. If you want to go to this shit, if they mean that much to you, here's the thing: Guns and Roses don't even mean that much to me to begin with. Okay. Yeah, me, me neither, dude. To tell you the truth, but I, I kind of, you know, when I when I saw this lineup, I thought to myself, well, better him. I mean, because I thought it was gonna be Max Sorum. And when I saw it wasn't going to be him, it was kind of like a relief. Right. I mean, you want to talk about style uh, style over substance. It's fucking Guns N' Roses. I love lies. I love appetite. But, you know, the, the danger that was there when they were there around the first time, that shit's gone. That shit's gone. You know, this is about as dangerous as the Rolling Stones on the Steel Wheels tour. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. it's not... It's not dangerous. This is nostalgia. Okay? The only danger is the danger of being disappointed. <laughs> you know? Uh, so I could give a flying fuck. But like I said, that being said, if it was the original five, I would pay top dollar. But without that, hey, I'd rather go see six Anvil shows than, than, than one, uh, you know, scam GNR. Because that's basically what it is. It'd be the same as going to see Kiss now. And seeing what this GNR thing is, because I'm not even a big Slash fan, so you know. Yeah, me neither. So I'd, rather, I'd rather see Buckethead. There, you, dude, I'd rather see like ten Buckethead shows. I'll love me some Buckethead. Man, I, I saw Slash front row when I had front row seats to see Ozzy when he opened, and he was doing a bunch of Guns N' Roses songs, and I was like, I actually walked away. I couldn't take it. I was like, this is so bad. Right. Yeah, I just I'm just not a Slash fan, and I don't even think he's horrible. I just I don't know. There's something about that guy that it's like, I you know what it is? It's like he's just too overrated to me. Okay, well here here exact here's the thing. The way you see Slash is the way I see Tommy Lee. Right, I know, I know. And we've I, we've gone I, through this dance already. Right, and I I know you know we disagree. But the, but the, the the way you see him is exactly how I see. Yeah, Tommy. but 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 how you see Tommy Lee, I, I I actually respect your opinion. It's not like I say, well, you're wrong, Ian. But but yeah, when you say, well, Bobby Blotter's better, I'm like, come on, dude. Now let's not get ridiculous here. Oh no no no, I I know Bobby Blotter's not better, but I'm just you know that, that's a goof. <laughs> I just like I like you know shit like Red Hot and Bastard and what he did on '94. I think he's a damn good drummer. Oh that's yeah, me, but that's me. Oh yeah, but but still overall, I think it's it, it's more of a a character, you know. It's like Keith Moon had the reputation and the talent to back it up. Where I think Tommy Lee, it's more about you know his antics and his dick than actually. Yeah, drum. well, but one thing you can't argue is his talented as a he's very talented as a solo musician. Yes. Oh yes, Methods of Mayhem. Never uh, a dull moment. Yes, and, and and what a DJ, too. Oh, techno, techno a master. Yes. He is he's the George Martin of techno. And he's done a lot more than most people the Hep C. I will say that. Yes, he is the Beatles of Hep C. <laughs> All right. Well, next story. Oh, this is a funny one. <laughs> Due to popular demand. There is going to be a second Chicken Foot reunion concert. No way. Check this out. Yeah, that's because, why. That's why he's on suicide watch. Yeah, because of overwhelming demand, because they sold out a casino. <laughs> They're going to add another casino show 
to the Chicken Foot reunion tour. You know, you know, I thought of this the other day because you know I, I am in the middle of uh, concocting uh, a, a solo project away from Ian, but I'm staying with the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. And in my mind, I was having this little fantasy of interviewing Sammy Hagar, and how cool. And here's something. We did a whole Sammy Hagar episode. We never even mentioned this once. And it's just pure logic. Pure fucking logic. You know how Sammy always talks about how he was as big as Van Halen and he toured and he played all these big places and sold as much as Van Halen and all that? If I was to interview Sammy, I'd say to him, why is it that if you really were as big as Van Halen back then, selling out everywhere and playing the same venues and two, three nights in a row, why is it that now... Van Halen still does it, but you're, you're 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 not even close to as big as you supposedly were. You know what I'm saying? Uh, good point. That would have been a great question. Good to ask. point. And, and if you would interview that cocksucker, and if you didn't invite me, I, I would take that personal because I would like to talk to this. Well, the thing is that, uh, I yeah, I guess I guess that will be the one interview I'll have you with me. Yeah. You would have to. That's my mortal enemy. Yeah. You know? Come on now. I got you. I got, I got you. Come on. All right. Uh, all right. Next story. Uh, Metallica has named the producer for their new album. Yes, Shanahan. Yes. His name is Greg Fiddleman. And uh, wait, wait. Say that name again. I believe it's Fiddleman. Is how you pronounce that's it. That's the name. That's the name of uh, Ario Speedwagon's original bass player. Well, there you go. Well, not the original original. Well, the original on the first album. Yes. But my buddy's dad was the original bass yeah, player. Yeah, you, you told me that story, how they were playing that's the colleges right. and stuff, yeah. Yes. But that's and, and not, he, come on, man. There was a guy in my band called Stinky, and I don't consider him original. It's whoever played on the first album. That's the original <laughs> member. Hey, Stinky's my retarded cat's name. <laughs> Is it? Yes. Hey, hey, they're both retarded. He was retarded, too. And, and, a, and a pussy. <laughs> hey, there you go. Oh, my God. Your bass player hangs out of my house and shits up the floor. What a quinky thing. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Greg Fiddleman, and he has worked on uh, a lot of albums that I'm drawing a blank at right now, but I believe he worked on the last couple uh, Slayer albums, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, wow, wow. And, uh, and, uh, and he's done a lot of other shit metal, so he's not unknown. But where a lot of people are pissed about is he was also the same guy that mixed Death Magnetic. So they're saying, how different is this going to be? Because they know like Rick Rubin's name got signed to it. But it's legendary how hands-off Rick Rubin actually is. So like this is probably the same guy who did Death Magnetic anyway. So if you didn't like how that sounded... Uh, chances are you probably won't like how this sounds. And I'll tell you what, if it's anything like that single they released a couple years ago, did you hear that Lords of Summer song? I sure did. And, uh, I was sure disappointed. What'd you uh, think? But, yeah, man, but I, I've been disappointed in Metallica since, uh, Memory Remains. I like that song. Oh, my God. Nah, 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 I love uh, that fucking song, dude. I know you do. I know you yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. I'm retarded like Stinky. There you go. Oh, I love me some Stinky, though. But anyway, so, yeah, there you go. Uh, and Metallica's saying, like, they're recording it now, like they have to finish now. And maybe they're feeling a little bit of fire because, like, 
They're the only one out of the the big four who hasn't released something in the last like. Uh, fucking... Give me a break, Ian. Come on, man. You really think this band has any fire left in them? Well, you know, I don't know. Maybe I mean, it... Kurt Hammond's flaming, but it doesn't mean they're on fire. Right, but uh, well, you know, maybe something that could light a fire under their ass is what an amazing album Megadeth put out. You know, and like you know, that is. Uh, well, well, Ian, and this is this is very important for the news. Uh, <laughs> Megadeth, this is so sad. I think you saw this. Oh, 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 oh yeah. It's so I, fucking I, bad, man. I, I, I know what you're saying. I know what you're going to say. Man, the Black Album last week sold more copies than the new Megadeth. Ooh. Fucking hey, man. <laughs> oh, and, that... then, and then people out there are like, oh, man, I'm not going to support ACDC. If they get a different singer, or I'm not going to support Guns N' Roses, idiot! Look wh- how the fucking people are out there, man. Oh my god! People will buy the Black Album in droves, while the new Megadeth, which is quality metal, is virtually not selling that well anymore. Right, right. No, and that's that's what most metal albums are doing now. They, you know, if you're lucky, you have good first week sales. But that's the diehards, and then you're dead. Then you're dead in the water. Uh, you know, because there's no MTV pushing the second single or the but, third single. And you know, you know, for you just know, James and Lars are laughing their ass off about the Black Album outselling the new oh, yeah. Megadeth. You just know they're laughing their ass off. So them being afraid of the new Megadeth, I really don't think that's possible. Yeah, yeah. You're, probably Lars has sold more paintings this week. Than the, than the new Megadeth album. That is true. But uh, I, I I always have hope for Megadeth, I mean Metallica, but we'll see. All right, and our last story is uh, Cinderella. Eric, oh, yeah. Yeah. Eric, I got something to say about this. Very interesting what I have to say about it, but go ahead. All right. Uh, Eric Brittenham, bass player from Cinderella, was, was asked the question, you know, is it going to be any more Cinderella and he's like I really don't know or kind of like I, I don't think so and here's the thing uh, right now Tom Kiefer is touring solo he's playing all of the Cinderella stuff and gets all the money so my answer would be no uh, I don't think you're going to see Cinderella anytime soon I That's- saw and this is from uh, I, I'm sorry if I forgot your name uh, but one of the one of the people on our Facebook page uh, brought up because uh, what happened was I put up a video of Tom Kiefer playing in Miami like a week ago and Blabbermouth put it up. Blabbermouth seems to have a, a, seems to be subscribers to my YouTube channel because every time I put up a video I shot, they put it up on their page. Anyway, yeah. why don't they post a link to our fucking podcast? Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so uh, well they will eventually watch. Just mark my words. Anyway, so my point is, is uh, when this when this guy put it in that conversation, some guy put, "Well, I'd rather see Cinderella," and I was like, "Well, to tell you the truth, uh, seeing Tom Kiefer that night was like, uh, dude, I, I know Cinderella, it's the original members and this and that, but he played somebody save me night songs, all those classic songs." As good as when I saw him with Cinderella. Now this guy was like, nah, but it's a Cinderella. I was like, yeah, but dude, 
because he was telling me that he sees Cinderella in the club days in Philadelphia. You know, I was like, dude, but don't discount the fact that I saw Cinderella open for David Lee Roth on the Eat Em and Smile tour. I saw him open for Ram It Down. I saw him headline on uh, Heartbreak Station. I saw them like five years ago at a club. I've seen Cinderella a bunch of times, so I know how good they are live. And this Tom Kiefer band, I'm not saying they're better than Cinderella, but it's the same thing. It's the same thing to me. So if Tom Kiefer can go up on stage and perform as good as Cinderella did, I'm not saying don't get back to Cinderella. Shit, I would love him to get back to Cinderella because I feel like those other dudes deserve, you know, their fair share of those songs. But honestly, I'll be honest, Tom Kiefer solo kicked just as much ass. Right, and, and he wrote the songs, you know, that make the young girls cry. He's uh, great, dude. That guy is such a talent, such an oh, yeah. underrated talent. Now, I'm not yeah. a big fan of Tom Kiefer, uh, Cinderella After Night song, but I will admit, man, that night when I saw the solo shit, when he played Don't Know What You Got acoustically and Coming Home and all that shit, it's, it's, it sound, he did it differently, and to me, they sounded really good. Like, better than the album versions, in my opinion. And then when he played the Night Song shit, forget it, that shit was awesome. Well, you know, hey, there's a lot of people that say, you know, Sammy Hagar is Van Hagar all by himself. Well, I, I'm one of them that say that. Yeah, yeah, and he should be. That is true. Well, I got a story, Ian. Um, all right. I, uh, you know this guy called Mitch LaFont? Yes. Uh, well, I know you are very anti-Christian and stuff, and you never, you know, you are in charge of the news. So I notice a very big lack of striper news when it comes to you. That's true. You, know, you don't like striper. Yet you, you'll talk That's about fast and pussycat stuff. So I'm That's here true. to defend the Lord Jesus Christ and his disciple Michael Sweet. And tell you something that I guess you would find of interest. He did say that there will be another Sweet Lynch album, uh, and, and but it won't be it won't be done till the beginning of next year. But it will be done. He's got a solo album coming out, um, and uh, Striper is about to do a tour where they play "To Hell with the Devil" in its entirety because it is the 30th anniversary of the Hell with the Devil tour, and Striper will release an acoustic album sometime this year. So that's that's our, our religious segment. Amen. Uh, Dominus Obiscus. Uh, I will say this. On the same day at Kmart, I had my grandmother buy me Peace Sells But Who's Buying and Striper to Hell with the Devil. Oh, cool. And I talked her into buying me two because I said Striper is God music and it would make me a better person. And it didn't work. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about this episode we're getting ready to do. And this is one we kind of done some spoiler alerts. A lot of our loyal, loyal listeners already know where I stand on this and where you stand on this. But I will say I've had a change of heart since we recorded this episode. Uh, prior to recording this, I totally hated Graham Bonnet. 100%. Uh, since we recorded this, I have discovered the Michael Shanker album, Assault Attack. Thanks to Justin Sex Childers. Childers. Whatever the fuck his name it's, is. It's Childers. 
All right. That's, sex, how, it, that's how it's spelled, Childers. Sex, anyway, that pedophile hit me to this album by requesting the song Desert Song on my radio show. And I was like, damn, I like this. So I went back and listened to that album, and I was like, man, I don't hate Graham Bonnet that much on this. I could be wrong, but I believe in this episode you're about to hear, I do mention Desert Song. Okay, I can't remember. We recorded this a little while ago. Yeah, but I did. I'm pretty sure, like, while we were talking about the history of Graham Bonnet, I'm pretty sure I mentioned that song because Desert Song is, like, my all-time favorite Michael Shanker song, uh, along with On and On. Well, well, you might have mentioned it, but I probably said I didn't hear it. But then upon my rediscovery of, uh, like, okay, well, maybe, maybe I was wrong. You had me go back and listen to the debut album by Alcatraz, which you said you liked even better yes. than Assault Attack. I do. I disagree. Everything that I think is wrong with this album we're getting ready to talk about, I thought was horrible with Alcatraz. Ouch. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to give Graham Bonnet a pass when he's with Michael Shanker. But you give that cocksucker a keyboard, and uh, all bets are off. But uh, the fans have been asking for this. You want an angry review? Here you go. Let's do it. All right. It's our uh, review of uh, Down to Earth by Rainbow. And uh, the, the way this came about was um, Ian was like, hey, uh, we haven't really argued about albums in a while. It's been kind of a love fest. So let's think of an album that uh, either one of us loves or hates and the other one loves or hates. So we could be at odds. And uh, I don't know who it was. Either it was Ian or me thought of the Down to Earth. Because I, I know Ian hates Grand Bonnet. And yes. anything Grand Bonnet does. So I figure, And I love Grand Bonnet. So maybe we'll do an Alcatraz review in the future, right? Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, that'd be another hate-filled episode. Hell yeah, I would love that, because I love, I love Alcatraz. But I also love this album, Down Earth. But you see, Rainbow is one of those bands that, dude, to me, they never released a bad album. You know, okay, some I love more than others. If you were to ask me which is my least favorite, I would say, eh, maybe Strangers Among Us, and then this one. But they're still great albums to me. So, uh... How I discovered Down to Earth was way late because uh, I knew the way I discovered Rainbow was uh, I Surrender, the song from um, Difficult to Cure. Yeah, that's how late I came. I didn't know about Dio. Matter of fact, I may have mentioned this in a previous episode. The way I found out Dio was in Rainbow was uh, when I saw the Heaven and Hell tour back in 80, 81. And the radio station was giving away tickets. And the trivia question was, what was the name of the band Ronnie James Dio was in before he joined Black Sabbath? And I didn't know the answer. And then they said, the answer is Rainbow. Richie Blackmore's Rainbow. I was like, what? He was in Rainbow? I, I had no idea. And then, I, I mean, even less, Graham Bonnet. The way I discovered Graham Bonnet in Rainbow was MTV. Uh, early, early MTV didn't have many uh, uh, videos, but they had a video for uh, All Night Long that they would play so much. And I fell in love with that song, man. So hardcore. Fell in love with this guy's voice. Yeah, he looked weird. 
looked like James Dean and shit, short hair and poofy. Oh. Yeah, he, he didn't have that look. I'll tell you a funny story. You probably know this, Ian, because I recently got something I highly recommend to everybody, the Richie Blackmore story on Blu-ray. And, loved uh, it. Loved it. What a great Blu-ray. Well, Very well done. It's just it's just so awesome to see Richie Blackmore talk. Of it. And he talks all the yeah. way through it, you know? And uh, when Dram Bonnet joined the band, you know, he had short hair. And then Richie says, you're going to have to grow your hair long. And Graham Bonnet was like, all right. Because at one point, Graham Bonnet did have long hair. I've never seen a picture of it, but Richie said, you know, you see a picture of him a lot. So anyway, um, Graham Bonnet went to go get his hair cut, and Richie stopped him. I, 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 I got to watch the video again, because I know at one point, they actually locked, they locked Graham Bonnet in a room so he wouldn't go and get a haircut. And he went through the window and got a haircut. And this was shortly before the Castle Donington show. I believe. I mean, I got the... But either way, he actually snuck out and got that haircut. And uh, pissed Richie off. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah. And this lineup has uh, the return of Roger Glover. Uh, which is weird because he was the one responsible of getting Roger Glover fired from Deep Purple. And um, Cozy Powell still in the band. Don Airy joins the band. Uh, who else was uh, in this band? Oh, yeah, I got the, I got the members right here. Graham Bonnet, Don Airy, Roger Glover. Yeah, that's pretty much it. And uh, they made this album, which was Richie Blackmore's attempt to become more commercial. A pop band, because with the Rainbow stuff, this is one of the reasons why Ronnie left the band, because uh, Richie wanted to go in this direction, and Ronnie was not going to sing songs like you know all night long and since you've been gone and making love and stuff like that ronnie was just fuck that you know so uh good so for Richie, him yeah so yeah you know I, I i applaud ronnie for that and you know of course i love the ronnie rainbow more than all the other rainbow but hey man i can't lie i love this shit so uh so then um when i saw the video for all night long uh i went out and bought the vinyl for down the earth which i still own to this day and yes, it's different, it's commercial. Some parts is pretty heavy and kind of reminiscent of the earlier stuff. But for the most part, it is more of a commercial album. And, you, and, and you, to me, the difficult to cure was the natural progression from this. Because pretty much this album mirrors the JoLynn Turner era as well. It has that vibe. Where Stranger Among Us was trying to get back to the Dio era. Anyway, uh, I love the album. We will go into it track by track, but uh, I'll tell you, uh, I'll hand it over to Ian to hear his side of this story. Okay, so how I came to this, I'm going to give you a real fucked up timeline, story, and everything. Uh, I originally discovered Dio uh, through Sacred Heart. I saw the video for Rock and Roll Children on MTV. Discovered Dio. Then I later found out... Uh, that he was in Black Sabbath. So I went and bought Heaven and Hell. And, oh, fell in love with that. Got all the, you know, uh, the, the Dio era Sabbath. And then I found out about Rainbow and went back and got that. But to tell you the truth, the first time I ever heard Rainbow, I remember being a small child and, and hearing Street of Dreams on the radio and liking that song. It wasn't until years later, like way after I discovered Richie, I mean, uh, Ronnie James Dio's Rainbow, that I was like, oh, that's Rainbow 2 that did that Street of Dreams song? 
Uh, but I never had this album, and the, and the first way I heard it was, uh, I, I have a best up, it's called The Very Best of Rainbow, and it had two songs off of Down to Earth that had Since You've Been Gone and All Night Long, of course, uh, the singles. But that is not the first time I heard Graham Bonnet. The first time I heard Graham Bonnet, let's go back to 86 again, I'm getting into metal. I saw the video for Ingve uh, Malmsteen, You Don't Remember, I'll Never Forget. And the first thing Bay album I bought was Trilogy. And I, I really liked that. Even though there was like the classical shit was hard for me to get into. There's there's a lot of songs, you know, uh, Queen and Love and, and, you know, You Don't Remember, I Fell in Love With. So I was like, I'm checking out this Inbase shit. And I was reading in, in magazines about this shit, Alcatraz. You know, a band he was in before. So I ordered Alcatraz, No Parole from Rock and Roll from Columbia House on cassette. And I got it. And I hated it. I was like, this singer is fucking terrible. So this isn't a Johnny Come Lately thing. I didn't like Graham Bonnet when I was fucking 12. And I don't like him now. It's it's a Graham Bonnet thing. And uh, and I'll get even more into that later in the review. But yeah, um, so I, I never liked him. I didn't like the songs on the Rainbow Greatest Hits. But, uh, you know, as, you know, I may have, illegally downloaded a few albums to complete a collection and I definitely did that with Rainbow and I got the album Down to Earth and listened to it didn't like it but lately I've been going back and checking out some shit I didn't like and the main inspiration for this is uh, the new Megadeth album I got on such a Megadeth kick after Dystopia came out I was like you know what let me check out some Megadeth that I gave up on when it came out so I went back and listened to some albums I didn't like and some of them I enjoyed a little bit more. You know, I hated them when they came out, but now it's like, eh, it might not be what I want, but I enjoyed it. So, again, I'm like, well, let me check out some other albums, see if my opinion has changed. And uh, Jan uh, from the Black Sabbath Family fan page, and he's on, uh, you know, our page. Um, he, I, I could be wrong here, but I think he said this is his favorite Rainbow album. But uh, I was like, you know what? Here's another one. Let me check it out. Let me see if my opinion has changed. Maybe I just didn't get it the first time. Let me check it out. Listen to it that night after I saw him post about it. Hated it. I realized I just fucking hate Graham Bonnet. And uh, I told Ralph, you know, the, the, the listeners love it when one of us hates something. Or, or even more so when we both hate it. But... More they they like us to go back and forth. And I was like, this is one we're gonna do. I'm never gonna like this fucking album. And god damn it, I had to listen to this son of a bitch two uh, like two and a half times today. And yes, I still hate this fucking album. But maybe Ralph, you can make me see something that uh, that I don't see or don't hear. So why don't you start it off with the first track? Oh, uh, uh, the first track, the first song I ever heard uh, on MTV. All night long. Oh my God, I love this. I love this song so much. And to me, the strongest point of this song is Graham Bonnet. I just like, I want to make you my... The way you hold that voice. and Oh my God, that, what a voice, man. God, man. I, I, all I got to say is Rolling Rock, fuck that shit, dude. <laughs> I'm not drinking. I guess, uh, I don't know, but shit, I've listened to shit drunk and I've loved it too. I don't know about you, Ian. You're, you're a weird dude, how you cannot appreciate this guy's voice. It's so 
powerful. It's a powerhouse. This guy's fucking a freak of nature. And this song is so good. The video is so awesome because it's it's them playing on a stage and on the side of the stage with some like like really, really white trash kind of skanky whore that I would like fucking marry and give my pension to because she looks like such a cum rag dumpster. Definitely looks like she can lick ass, man. Many asses. And uh, that's and also that that's maybe why I turned out the way I did. Maybe that's why I like my ass lick because of that skanky girl in this video. Uh, she's kind of milfy looking. This is very important to the song, by the way. And um, and Blackmore, you know, with his wig, you know, you know, Blackmore just got a new wig at this point. I'm trying to think. Well, what, what does the wig exist on Long Live Rock and Roll? I think what? that's huh. This is a this is a wig. You didn't know this? No, I had no idea. All right, take a look at Blackmore. Even during the the, the dude, even in purple, you see the receding. Like it was almost a comb overish type thing. And then all of a sudden, he's got like just go take compare Richie Blackmore's head. I'm thinking maybe Wrong Live Rock and Roll. He already had the wig. I know for sure. In Rising, that shit was getting very noticeable. And oh, uh, wow. but, yeah, by from from. Either long live rock and roll or down to earth to today, he still wears that fucking wig. I think the wig has gotten more of a perm these days. But back then it was kind of like a like a helmet, you know, type thing. Uh, yeah, I can't believe you never noticed that. No, I don't. Are you aware Ian Pace wears a wig as well? I, I, I remember seeing pictures of him with thinning hair. I didn't know he wears a wig, but, uh, you know, it's funny. I'm, I'm looking at the back of... Uh, of this rainbow greatest hits that I have, and it, it is kind of thinning. And, and now I see it. I didn't know he was like a a Don Docket or a David Weave Roth. Oh uh, that's yeah, crazy. and that's and I, I, as I understand, Jolyn Turner's always wore a wig. Oh I, yeah, I did hear that, and, and it makes sense because it looks like his hair looks twenty seven, but he looks eighty something. Yeah, but I mean now his hair, but back then. Right. Uh, I didn't know it was a wig. That I didn't know because I never right. saw Joe Lynn Turner before Difficult to Cure. Right. So, well, and it's a good wig. It's a really good wig. It looks real. It's not like a Gene Simmons wig. Hey, I didn't know Gene Simmons wore a wig until the fucking late 90s. Well, that, know? dude, I'm telling you, the first wig Gene Simmons ever wore was Animalized. Yeah. See, here's the thing about Gene Simmons. Gene Simmons will wear a wig, then he won't wear a wig. Then he'll put, put back the wig. I'll give you an example. Animalized, he wore a wig. Uh, Asylum, that was not a wig. And during Asylum interviews, he would be like, I keep reading crazy things about me wearing a wig. This is really my hair. I go, yeah, now it's your hair. But in 1984 or 85, when Animalize came out, he, he filmed uh, Runaway where he cut his hair right. short. And, right. all, and yeah. then like, you know, uh, then he does the, uh, the you know, the, the, the tour where he has, and you can tell if you ever looked at, um, uh, what is it? Uh, Animalized, Animalized live, uncensored. Yeah. Dude, look at his hair, and he's sweating, and like that hair is dry as fuck. <laughs> oh, uh, anyway, yeah, but yeah, that's a wig, man. I can't believe you never noticed that. Yeah, that. That's one thing. You and me are very lucky. I mean, I've had a widow's peak since I was like twenty, but I mean, I I don't have like that, you know, male pattern baldness in the back. I still have my beautiful, luxurious, curly, long blonde hair. You have your hair. Uh, we're very lucky. I'll tell you a funny story what happened to me when I was 21 years old. Uh, I was playing football. 
And, you know, it was like a brutal hot day here in Florida, sweating like fucking crazy. And then I go to my car to get something. And when I close the car door, I see like the little rear view mirror outside of my door. And I get a, a quick glimpse and I look at it. And my all my hair on my forehead, it's all patchy like I'm going bald because of the sweat. And I looked at it, I go, oh my God, I'm going to be bald by the time I'm 30. And look at that. <laughs> and I'm still, at, dude, I haven't lost anything, dude. It's a freaking nature house. Well, you know, my, my family, they all have hair. You know, I don't have no bald people in my family. None. At there all. you go. All right. Oh, so, yeah. So, what do you think of uh, All Night Long? Uh, the second single off the album. And uh, let me refer to my notes here. Horrible. Hey. This this guy sucks. Uh, this is horrible, bad uh, 70s rock. This is like the worst Grand Funk Railroad song I've ever heard in my life. Uh, take a fucking shit already. You know, you, you talk about how you don't like uh, Bruce Dickinson when he strains. Yeah. And, and, and you don't like when David Lee Roth strains these oh, things. Oh, even worse. Uh, this guy, everything he he sings it sounds like he went on a two-month binge of government cheese and can't take a fucking shit every time he says and in a stupid fucking look i mean i i hate to put an importance on looks because because that's what women do you, you know you know you know it's like like my old lady loves you know you know uh you know motley crew because there's three cute guys and she hates tesla because they all look like they work at a gas station um, but you know, you know, I mean, he just looks like a fish out of water. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. That that goes without saying. His look is pretty right. bizarre for that type of music. Right, but nine times out of ten, I always say, the uglier the band, the better the band because they can't rely on good looks. They have to write good songs. Pretty boys can get away with bad songs because they're pretty. But this dude, I mean, he just. I don't know what the fuck this guy looks like. It looks like he looks like Billy Idol's, you know, retarded cousin with AIDS. Uh, Ow! And uh, he'd fit, he'd fit he'd fit he would fit more better in like a band like uh, Roxy Music. You know what I'm saying? Oh my! I, I think he would fit better in fucking uh, Pet Shop Boys. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. The only difference is I like Pet Shop Boys. You know why they were called Pet Shop Boys? I bet you don't know why. Because that's where they had the gerbils? Exactly. Oh, you didn't know. <laughs> Who do you think sold them the gerbils? There you go. Uh, but no, this sounds like really bad. It reminds me of some other 70s bands like The Babies. This band John Waite was in. Oh, man. Talk about, talk about a forgettable band that I remember The Babies on the radio and for the life of me, if you'd play me that song now and ask me who it was, I wouldn't know because it's so forgettable. I can't even remember. And it also reminds me of the Raspberries that Eric Carmen was in. That and, uh, I, I don't remember that band at all. That's oh, real oh, early. Oh, oh, you you would know these bands if you heard their songs, but uh, but no, it's just horrible, shitty AM radio rock. I mean, how do you go from Richie Blackmore's Rainbow, Rainbow Rising, and fucking Long Live Rock and Roll to this shit? Now, he said his number one inspiration, and I'm talking about Richie Blackmore, he said he wanted to be like Foreigner. But this shit makes Foreigner sound like fucking Cannibal Corpse. <laughs> you know, this this is really bad.
bad, cheesy shit. And, uh, and, and it really, it reminds me of what I hate about UFO and uh, what I hate about Sammy Hagar. But here's the thing. I cannot blame Graham Bonnet for the songwriting because all he did was sing over this crap. Uh, music and lyrics were pretty much done by Roger Glover. And I think Roger Glover is even more responsible for the downfall of Rainbow than Richie Blackmore. Because I think his production and his cheesy AOR music and lyrics, you know, dictated what they what they became. I mean, I think Richie had a vision, but, uh, you know, I think Roger Glover's the one who executed it. And they started writing this album. Uh, he, right away, he had fired Bob Daisley. He had fired, uh, was it Dave Rosenthal or whoever was the keyboard player, Dave Stone, some shit like that. Uh, you know, and, and even though Don Aries on the album, I think he's only on a couple songs. And they, they had hired two, originally Roger Glover was just going to produce it and write music. And they fired two bass players during the making of this. And, and then Roger Glover just took over. But man, this is... I, I I mean, this makes you know Metallica sellout seem tame. This is this is like some Cold Lake shit, you know. This is like Celtic Frost going to fucking Cock Rock, uh, Rainbow going to this shit, and this song is just an absolute fucking turd. But I don't know what it is. For some reason, I am in the minority here, and uh, a lot of people like this album, man. A lot of, and. And even some people who are like, well, at least it's not as bad as the Joe Lynn Turner era. I got to tell you, even though I kind of see what they're saying, I at least prefer Joe Lynn Turner's voice. Because I think that guy's got a much better fucking voice than this fucking guy. Well, take a, take I, a fucking shit. I know? don't. I think uh, Grant Bond's got a better voice, but I do prefer the Joe Lynn Turner albums to this one. All right. Uh, but I think uh, jo uh, Grant Bonnet is incredible. But yeah, I mean, uh, I just want to say one little thing about his look. He just brought something in my mind. If you ever seen this video, and maybe you did, and maybe you forgot the scene. Oh, I, no, I saw it. I saw no, it. no, no, there's another video I'm talking about. He's in. Oh. It's a video for Alcatraz called Island in the Sun. Oh, I saw that turd too. All right. The way the video ends, like the chick guard in the prison wakes him up, and the way he wakes up and he looks at him, he's like, Durr. He he reminds <laughs> he reminds me of that cartoon of the stork that was like <laughs> you know that stork I'm talking about yes <laughs> one, I know one of those Looney Tunes you know he looks just like it. he wakes up he's like oh <laughs> he is he is a bizarre looking dude I would love to see what Grant Bonnet would look like with long hair you know oh god but still yeah as far as looks go yeah it is crazy and yeah you know I understand what you're saying this is like. Celtic Frost, what Celtic Frost did in Metallica. Yes, of course, it's a drastic change, but to me, the difference is this is still good, where Cold Lake was fucking garbage, man. That was, like, so bad. But, you know, believe it or not, I know people that are into death metal and blackened thrash that actually like Cold Lake. I shit you not. I would rather listen to Cold Lake than this album. Well, I mean, come on, dude. You like Bang Tangle. Yeah. There you go. Well, All right. And I like uh, The Elder. All right, there so you go. So that, that I, explains I, I, why I like it. Hey, 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 I, I, I want to I say something here. I would listen to The Elder on an infinite loop 
than listen to this fucking album. All right, now now I know you hate it. Yeah, yeah, no, the the the, uh, the elder is like fucking physical graffiti compared to this shit. This this is this is this is one of the worst albums I've ever heard in my life. This wow, that bad, huh? Yeah, that that bad. All right, well let me go on the next piece of shit song that's called Eyes of the World. Yeah. All right. Well, this one at least structure wise sounds like Dio era Rainbow. I agree. Uh, uh, Structure-wise. But the keyboards here by Don Airy, who normally isn't a guy that I fucking hate. You know, I think he does a great job in uh, in Deep Purple now. I mean, he's no John Lord, but nobody is. You know? You know? Uh, but he, I mean, he's played on, you know, Sabbath. He's played with Ozzy. Uh, Don Airy's got some chops. But this sounds fucking horrible. And again, what a shitty fucking singer. And I hear the beginning of this with the keyboards. Uh, I was expecting to hear the voiceover from fucking Buck Rogers in the, twi- in the 25th century. I mean, it is so fucking horrible. But if you erase the keyboards and it was an instrumental, I could see Dio singing over this. You know, you know, because there's there's some good guitar playing, you know, and, and bass playing, and you know, Cozy Powell, not very adventurous, but uh, you know, keeping the beat. But man, you add in fucking uh, fucking Graham Bonnet and fucking Don Airy's keyboards. This song is a smoking fucking turd. What do you think, Ralph? Fucking amazing song. Probably my favorite off the Boom! album. Boom! I think I think the only thing bad about the song is the placement. I think this is what should close the album, like the you know like the epic closer, kind of like the uh, what's that song on um, Eyes of, Eyes of Fire. And it's got to kind of got that eyes of fire, and I think, man, that's one album I would love to review one day, straight between the eyes, and um, or you know, I mean, I want to do all the. Hey, if we're doing this, we might as well do all the other Rainbow albums. We already, oh. Did, oh, we already, right. yeah, we should do. We should like do Rainbow in order, once a year, a Rainbow episode, yeah. where we already did the Dio. Now we're Grand Bonnet. The next one should be Difficult to Cure, which is my yeah. favorite of all the Lin Turner stuff. And, and, to t- and to tell you the truth, like the Dio era shit, that's you know that's one of the old Terrence episodes. I would like to go back at some point and redo each of those albums on their own. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's a good idea. And then but, delete and then delete that episode. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I, I I will agree with you on the placement because the place for this shit's on the cutting room floor. No, come on, man. I mean, uh, why, why are you gonna put this so early in the album? It's it's got that epic feel it's like it makes no sense to me because then the next songs are so far from it i uh, just i just feel like it's badly placed but it's a great song and uh i love it i love this fucking song i love uh, it does have like you said it has that early rainbow feel to it and uh and i love the vocals i i don't mind the intro keyboard i like buck rogers and well, uh, I just think it's a great song, dude. It's probably my favorite on the album. As far as the placement, uh, you know, I I don't know. It could be perfect because before you scratch the record, maybe you can still take it back and return it for something good. You know? Wait, wait, uh, uh, talk for yourself. Why are you saying you? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Okay, you use people. That's use right. People. All right. Eyes of uh, the World, my favorite track off the album. What's the next one? Oh, oh, the next one. This is something even Richie Blackmore hates. This is a song called No Time to Lose. Let me hear what you think about this shit. Wait, wait, is it true he did say that? Yes, yes. uh, He was quoted as saying, uh, 
that he has such high esteem for uh, classical music and classical musicians, and he thinks a lot of what he does is rubbish. And uh, I believe he said he liked the Eyes of the World. He was proud of that. Yeah, okay, I got the quote right here. It's right in front right. of my face while you're saying uh, it. He says, okay. He says, I have so much respect for classical musicians that when I listen to myself, I think, oh, that's nonsense. I could put down other people's music because the fact is I put down my own music and say it, say it's rubbish. A lot of it is, not all of it. No time to lose definitely is, but eyes of the world is okay. But a good deal of it is a waste of time. So, uh, and he said this in 79. Wait, did this album come out in fucking, oh yeah, it did come out in 79, didn't it? Yeah. yeah wow, he bashed it the year it came out. Yeah, he knew it was shit. Wow. That's wild. Huh. Well, fuck you and Richie. Alright. Alright, so, well, what do you think of No Time to Lose? Uh, to me, this sounds like bad UFO or, or bad Sammy Hagar. You know, I could see this on a bad UFO album or I could see it on fucking Three Lock Box. Uh, very subpar. Very subpar. To me, I mean, once again, hearing this annoying fucking voice, this would be like. Huey Lewis singing for Black Sabbath. But the difference is, I like Huey Lewis. Uh, and, and one thing that, that, I, that I really want to ask you, and I, I don't even know if you can answer this honestly, because it'd be hard to remove yourself from this, but I wonder if you like every Rainbow album because of your age and where you were when you heard them. Because there are certain cock rock albums that I like that I, I'm... 100% sure that it's more like like they're probably not like you know if I really think about it it's probably not that great but when I hear them I have these great memories and I kind of forgive some shit but uh you know if I was to hear it now I probably wouldn't have that same feeling like if, if say say you've never heard Rainbow and then somebody gives you Rainbow Rides you fall in love with it you know you hear the other two Dio ones. And just now, think of where you are now. And and then they come over and they take a hot shit on your chest. That, that it's called, you know, Down to Earth. And you listen to that now. Do you think you would still like it the same as if you didn't hear it when you were young and impressionable? You're probably right. I probably wouldn't like it. I don't know. I'm 100% sure because, yeah, it's hard. You're right. It's hard to distance myself because... When you say that to me, I think of All Night Long and Eyes of the World, and and I'm not gonna give away the other songs I like on here until we get there. But I think of those songs and I think, man, I, I can't see myself not like these songs, but maybe I would if I was like, I don't know, maybe if I lived with Rising for many years. Right, but, but like I fully admit, uh, you know, I love Ultimate Sin and uh, somewhere in time because those were my first and this was your first rainbow yeah my first okay. rainbow was difficult to hear well well you, but I thought you, you heard the you didn't have the album but you heard the songs first right uh, no no I bought difficult to hear check it out this is how oh, I, oh. this is how I really discovered rainbow uh, I heard difficult I heard I surrender on the radio and I loved it I loved it I thought it was a great song and then Back then, and I'm sure you're probably aware of this, there used to be a show called King Biscuit Flower House. Oh, yes. Many great live albums. Yes, and they had a live rainbow show that I put on cassette, 
And, you know, the, the show opened with Spotlight Kid. I was like, holy shit, I love this, you know. And, and then, like, that, it had a lot of, like, the, it was a difficult to cure concert tour. And I remember it had uh, Man on the Silver Mountain on there. Um, I think there was another Rainbow, earlier Rainbow. But most, oh, All Night Long was on there. Uh, Since You've Been Gone was on there. Uh, and I loved it. That I had that before I actually had Difficult to Cure the album. But I already knew a lot of those songs because of that live show. So that's how I discovered Rainbow. So, And then uh, I got uh, Richie Blackmore's Rainbow. And this is after I found out that Joe, uh, Ronnie James Dio was in Rainbow. This was like around, I'd say maybe 82. Around that time is when I finally got that. It was my first Rainbow with Ronnie was the first one. And so what I think of this song, uh, No Time to Lose, is I, I unlike you and Richie, I love this song. I love the riff. I love that. That little stop. Yeah, it's kind of like hard rock commercial. I don't. I see this, and yeah, I'm sorry, Ian, but goddamn, dude, I am not a fan of Foreigner. Now, don't get me wrong. I think they're good. But I, I love Foreigner. I just feel Foreigner to me. Look, when I was a kid, Double Vision, I went out and bought that album. I bought the first Foreigner album. I have Head Game. I do like. I mean, I like it. But it's not something that I love and that grabs me. The the one song that I fucking love from Foreigner. Urgent? No. The, oh. but, no, but I, and you know how I feel about saxophone. But one thing I can tell you about Urgent that's awesome is fucking Lou Grant's voice in that song. Holy fuck. God damn, I love Urgent. I love his, but the song uh, Star Rider from the first Foreigner album. It doesn't even sound like Foreigner. Here's a, fun, a funny story, dude. Uh, I never had the first Foreigner album, and my girl, she's not into music like we are, but her uncle would always play that song, and we were jamming to Foreigner one night, she's like, you gotta play Star Rider, I'm like, I don't even know that song. That's her favorite Foreigner song, and I never heard it till a couple years ago. And then now I found out it's like this, like, among Foreigner fans, it's like this lost classic. Yeah. And it's a really it's a really good song, but it sounds nothing like the rest of Foreigner. It's, it's not. It, it sounds more like Rainbow. Yeah, you're right. You know? You're absolutely right. It's you're got right. that epicish type. Thing. It's an amazing song. I yeah. love Star Rider. That's like should have been on this album. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But you know, and I feel like you know this song is, you know, if it's, I think it's better than Foreigner, man. I love this song. I'm sorry, Richie. You know, I mean. I love Richie Blackmore, but I, I I have to disagree. Now, there's a song on this album I would agree that's pretty much rubbish, but not well, this I, one. This one's I, good. I can't wait to find out what that is. All right, go to the next one. All right, the next song is called Making Love. Yeah. This song is really, really, really bad. What? Uh, this is fucking horrible. This, this is another one. Sounds like bad fucking... Uh, uh, UFO uh, sounds, you know, you know, this is like a, a bad YT, like summertime girls, um, and, and and I blame this one. I, I I blame even more on Roger Glover than I blame on fucking Graham Bonnet. I mean, Graham Bonnet, yeah. As soon as I hear that voice, I want to fucking throw up. But again, Roger Glover's the one writing this shit. So, and it, as much as I love Roger Glover as a bass player. As a producer and arranger, man, I'll tell you what, I'll, 
Yeah, all that fucking um, Deep Purple shit was way better when you got Martin Birch at the helm than fucking Roger Glover. And I like the dude, but man, he he puts a gloss and a shine on shit that I don't care for. Yeah, and, right. Yeah, that is true. And 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 to me, I mean, I mean, even like, you know, I I love Perfect Strangers, uh, and I even love a lot of uh, House of the Blue Light, but it's just too fucking polished. Uh, I I think the best thing Glover ever produced was Sin After Sin. That sounds the most raw. Yeah, that shit's raw as fuck. But, uh, you, you know, but even he admits he only half-ass produced the album because they were fighting so much. But anyway, uh, no, this is just a, a, a smoking turd. This is like throwing in, uh, you know, this is. This is like a fucking Hagar song. This is like a Poison song. Come on it, it, now. No, I, 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 I honestly, with all my heart, dude, I believe that. It's just so, like, like you don't even think about it. It's a Spoon, Moon, and June. You just think of some songs that fucking, you know, some words that fucking rhyme. And, and you play something simple over it. There's like, there's no thought. There's no like, hey, we need to secure our legacy here. No, this this is a fill up the fucking album song. I really, really don't like this, you know. And, you know, I think it has a lot to do, you know, I keep bringing up UFO. Because my problem with UFO is Phil Mogg. I, I, I think he writes lyrics that are just as retarded as fucking Sammy Hagar. I, I, I think it's a lot of just basic shit. The one thing I do love and appreciate about UFO is Michael Schenker. You know, and you know, I've, I've heard they did some good shit with Paul Chapman. I've never heard that shit. I haven't, but I never bothered to listen to it. But uh, the only thing I can get out of why people like fucking UFO is Michael Schenker. Because the, 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 the songs are very, just rudimental rock and roll. I mean, there's nothing, there's no groundbreaking shit there song-wise. And this just reminds me of that shit. And, you know, another band I'm on the fence with a lot of people love is Y&T. And, uh, you know, I had a guy the other day on my radio show request some, some Y&T. It was a song off the album Earthshaker. My favorite one. My favorite Y&T album. I, I, I tell you what, it was it was, it was a pretty good song. It Sa- was, it, was it Save Me? No. And if you told me the name of the song, I, I probably would Forever? No, Forever was on... Uh, on uh, I, like I said, I probably wouldn't remember. Okay. But what I liked about the song is it didn't sound like a generic song. It sounded like some guys like, hey, we're going to write a good hard rocking and, song. And I, I totally suggest you check out that album because that album is... I think okay. the best Y&T album there is. I, I haven't, you know, and I, I, I have all the Y&T. I just haven't listened to a lot of it. And, and another one is, you know, like Graham Bonnet, like Phil Mogg, sometimes when I listen to Y&T, Manichetti sounds like fucking Hagar to me, and that kind of turns me oh, off. That's weird. I don't hear that at all. Yeah, I don't I don't. There's just something, there's something a little bit generic about it. I know? love that guy's voice and his guitar playing. He's amazing. And, and uh, hey, not, nothing personal could be the nicest guy. Hey, Graham Bonnet could be the nicest guy in the world. It's nothing personal like it is with Sammy Hagar. I don't wish death on Graham Bonnet. I just don't want to fucking listen to him, man. I I just think it's it's not hard rock. It's not metal to me. It's somebody pretending to do something and like, oh, he got a little bit of notoriety with Rainbow, so he keeps doing shit like uh, Alcatraz 
A lot of people love the album he did with Michael Shanker. What is it, Assault Attack? Yeah, great album. I've heard a lot of people say that's the best Graham Bonnet Desert, ever. Desert Song. What an amazing fucking And and, and I may, maybe I need to go check that out, but I'd rather hear that Gary Borden dude or whoever sings on and on. I'd rather hear that motherfucker than Graham Bonnet. By, by the way, the, the Y&T song's not Save Me, it's Rescue Me. Yeah, I, I'd have to look at my cue what it was. But anyway, I like that song, but... Anyway, back to this fucking fucking turd. What is it making love? Oh God, yeah, this is just this is bad white snake. You know, this is like a white snake B side to me. And, and we're not talking like you know, we're talking like 1987 white snake. I don't know. I don't like it. But uh, let's hear your opinion. See, when you're in a band, sometimes when you write songs, you just you get to a, like a part where it's like, oh fuck it, just keep the song like that, and then we'll improve it. You know, and I. And it's happened to me a couple times. There's a couple songs I, like No Pose Allowed, for instance, was one of the songs that I had that, uh, there was one version and we weren't happy with it, but we're like, let's just like keep jamming to this till we get it right. Well, Making Love is a song that they never jam to it enough to get it right, because it is terrible. This is my least favorite song on the album. It's unfinished. It seems like they just wrote it and never went back and fixed it. You know what I'm saying? That chorus that making love with the dance at the dance that riff it's like oh my god if i wrote something like that i'd be like oh man let's just keep it to that till we come up with something better but i don't know they didn't come up with nothing better making love is horrible terrible song least favorite song on the album it's fucking garbage i'll take the next one all right uh love's no friend no, 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 no. The next one is uh, Since You've Been Gone. Oh, Since You've Been Gone. Oh, I love this one. This one's awesome. Uh, written by Russ Ballard. Total, total uh, fucking uh, sellout song for Blackmore. Totally, 100%. This is like, we got to get a hit. We need to get a hit. But I don't know what Blackmore was thinking of. We're going to get a hit with this doofy guy singing for the band. You needed like a Lynn Turner kind of looking dude to sing this song to get a hit uh though i could be wrong but wasn't this a hit uh yeah yeah well it was their first hit this was the first single off the album and their first like legitimate hit i believe this did uh pretty good in england and if i remember correctly they were a band like during the deal era they couldn't get arrested in europe but this this was a big hit over there for them, and the first time they got on the radio in the states. Yeah, it was, it was a bigger hit in Europe, but it it's the first time they got airplay. See, that's another thing I wanted to mention was when I finally did buy this album, and I heard this song, I was like, oh, I know this song. Like I didn't know this was Rainbow, because I guess since you begun technically was my very first Rainbow song. Not I Surrender. Now thinking about it, but. It doesn't really count because I didn't know it was Rainbow. And it didn't, like, when I heard it as a kid, it didn't prompt me. It didn't blow my my socks off enough for me to go out and buy this record. But I do remember it on the radio back then. Not that much. I don't think it was a big hit, but it did get some radio airplay at the time. I do remember that as a child because I was a big, big, huge fan of the radio back in the late 70s. I mean... The radio was everything to me. Oh man, love radio. Yeah, and uh, you know, you know what's funny is that back in the day, I keep reading how AM was the shit, not FM. Well, by the time I got into radio, FM was the shit, not AM. Oh, oh yeah. So, um, and I love this song. I think it's a very commercial sellout tune, 
But hey, you know, what the fuck? I like I was made for loving too. I don't know. What, what, what can you do? I gotta like what I like. I love Dancing Queen. Dancing Queen's like probably my favorite pop song of all time. And come on, dude. Seriously, I don't chug cock. I thought we were being honest here. I am being honest, man. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm no homo. But, 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 but my musical taste, I'm surprised my musical taste hasn't died of AIDS yet. <laughs> all right, uh, is that all you got on this one? Because my musical taste lights it up the ass with no condom. Yeah, this, this you know, is a- you know what I like, dude. I like that? that song. Tell me why he ain't nothing but a heartache. The back. Tell me voice. why. I like that song, dude. I totally like that song. I like uh, uh you're so beautiful. Na, 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 na. Christina Dude, I, Aguilera. I, I, I don't like that song, but I do like the Backstreet Boys better than uh, Since You've Been Gone. It's a good song, right? Uh, tell me why. You like that one, right? It's no? a good pop song. Yeah. It's a great song. I think it's a great structured song. Oh, well, whatever. Go ahead. I think Kanye West got a good voice. Ooh. His, okay. his, his, his uh, no, no, no. Don't get me wrong. His music's fucking ter- horrendous. But his singing voice, I think it's pretty good. Uh, unless he tries to sing Queen songs. I don't know. I, I don't think I've ever heard him sing. I've just heard yeah, him talk. I, I, I like his voice. And 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 somebody I recently got into is Bruno Mars. Hey, I respect that guy. Uh, I, I, I've never bought any of his shit. I actually saw him like on the Grammys a couple years ago. And uh, I was impressed. I, that was before he did the Super Bowl. But uh, he's an entertainer in the, in the vein of... Uh, you know, James Brown or Michael Jackson. He's not a musician. He's a song and dance man, but I think he has talent. I think he's got a really good voice. Hey, Uptown, Uptown Funk, gonna give it to you. I am I am a fan of vocals, even like, like, like I, I said, like uh, Kanye West. I heard him sing and I was like, Dude, this guy's got a good voice. Too bad his music's horrible, but right. I think his voice is good. And that tells you, man, I mean, nobody's more hated Kanye West. For me to say I like Kanye West's voice, you know I ain't lying. Okay, it's true. I do lie sometimes. I do chug cock, okay? There we go. Thank you. All right, so here we go. Uh, the first single, uh, Since You've Been Gone. Um, this is one of the worst songs I've ever heard hey. in my fucking life. Are you kidding me? No, no, no. I, I'm, I'm being 100% honest. I this is like a Z-side Bay City Rollers, you know. S-A-T-U-R-D-A-Y. And it's like, do big God. do big God. This is one of the stupidest, faggotiest songs. And I don't mean that as a slam against gay people. I mean that as a slam against gay music. This is one of the worst fucking songs I've ever heard in my life. And the fact that so many people... That are metal fans like this shit. Yeah, like me. Dude, I do not get this shit. This is uh, seriously, seriously, this is one of, you know, this is one of those ones, like when I hear people like this shit, it's like, now I see how the Macarena was a hit and, and shit like that. Like, why? How? Who who likes this shit? Yeah, I don't like the Macarena, man. Right, I... but, oh, man. Who liked the big God? The big God? 
I think I've been hearing a different version. It doesn't go like that. <laughs> oh, dude, this is fucking, you know. I love that, dude. It's exactly. Anybody could pick up the guitar and play this shit. It's fucking horrible. Why, man? You're going to tell me all songs are, are easy to play suck? Well, no, but what I'm saying is, I mean, it's like you're not even trying. This is like, this is fucking retarded. This should never have been released. And you know who I blame? Fucking Russ Ballard. Russ Ballard, this motherfucker. Okay, Ray, I can't blame Roger Glover. Can't blame Graham Bonnet for this shit. Russ Ballard wrote this shit. Russ Ballard wrote another song I can't fucking stand. Well, actually, he wrote a lot of songs I can't fucking stand. But he wrote New York Group. And that's another retarded song that I don't fucking like. Dang, back in the New York. Do, do, do. You know, it, it's like... Oh, they had the same singer on both songs? Yeah, it fucking sounds like it, dude. Brown Byatt sang on fucking New York Group. Dude, it, it's it's like fucking of mice and men with this shit, with this motherfucker, man. It's fucking Simple Jack. Yeah. You know, and, and another one he wrote I can't stand. Uh, God Gave Rock and Roll to You. I hate that Wait, wait, he song. wrote that? Yeah. He, he was in that band. What was the name of that band? Spirit or something like Ar that? Argent. He, oh, I didn't know that. He, Argent. There's two songs that this cocksucker wrote that I don't mind. Man, God gave rock and roll to you I don't like. Oh, I hate that. But there's two songs he wrote I don't mind. I don't mind End of the Night yeah, off of Bradley's Common. And I, I know you're going to hate this because you hate the fucking guy. But he wrote this song called Winning that was a hit in the early 80s for Santana. I absolutely love that song. Whoever yeah. sang in Santana at that time, yeah. who was that guy? That guy's Dude. awesome. Dude, he was he was some dude from like South America. Some Bro, like winning is a fucking phenomenal song. And look, that just shows you, dude, that as much as I can't stand Santana, that fucking song is just. And I'll tell you funny, some funny about that song. I mean, I already hated Santana, and this shit came on the radio while I was driving in my city truck, and that song came on, and I'm like, holy shit, I remember this song. And then I'm listening, I'm going. Holy fuck, this guy's an amazing singer. Who is this who's doing this, you know? And I yeah. waited for the DJ to come on and said, oh, that was Santana. I was like, oh, fuck, man. And like, I, I I think the guy only sang on that one Santana album. You have that album? Yeah. Yeah, send me that. Yeah, well, well the rest of the album sucks. But okay. I, I, yeah, well, I, I still want I, that song. I, yeah, I mean, I'll give you that heads up. The rest of the album Because I bought that CD just Some for that. Some something like that, right? Z-Bop? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah Z-Bop, yeah. My dad had it on vinyl, and even he's like, oh, it sucks, but I love this song. I absolutely love I'm Winning. What a right. great singer. Yeah. And the song. And, and I love the, the guitar playing. I love everything. It's such right. a great commercial tune. Oh, so right. Russ Ballard wrote that one. Yeah, he wrote he that and End of the Night's the only one I like. But I'm trying to think of some other Russ Ballard shit that he wrote that I can't say. But oh no, man, seriously. I love I'm Winning. Seriously, this song is one of the worst songs I've ever heard in my life. I would rather hear Cabo Wabo than this fucking song. Dude. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you this right now. All every song you just mentioned, my favorite Russ Ballard songs is, is the Santana one. <laughs> hey, mine too. Mine and too. I love and I love New York Groove and. And, and uh, since you've been gone, I love these songs, but man, I'm winning. It's just an amazing, I, I, I need that. Send it. Oh yeah, oh, oh, yeah I will. And, and, and again, for, you know, for our younger listeners, you know, it was a huge hit like 1982, but it sounds nothing like Santana's previous. The only thing is like when it comes to the solo. Yeah, okay, yeah, then, yeah, it does sound Santana. Yeah, yeah. yeah, then you can tell it's Santana. But other than that, it's pure like 80s pop. 
And it, it, yeah. it is a, it is a great song. And but it's anyway. the '80s pop I love because to right. me to me I love '80s pop up to '84. Oh no, I, I'm, dude, I, I agree. What what me and the old lady usually do? There's this thing on Sirius where they do uh, uh, top forty. You know, it's the top forty of that week. And my favorite years are always between '80 and '84. And my old lady's always like, oh, I like 89 because, you know, she's younger than me and she remembers those songs. But when we hear those top 40, she's like, oh, this shit sucks. I was like, yeah, early 80s was way better because early 80s had that mix of 70s and 80s because it yeah. takes so it takes a while till it gets full blown 80s by by, by like 85 and shit, 86 keyboards totally took over by, you know, early 80s. You had some of that, but you still had. 70s pop craft songwriting but uh anyway let's stop talking about good music and get back to this fucking hey thing. uh we'll go to the next song fucking horrible it's called uh love's no friend and this song's no friend of fucking music uh i liked this the first time i heard it when it was called mistreated this is a 10th rate fucking mistreated and he loved this so he, you know he even did miss mistreated and he said he, he titled Miss Mistreated that so he wouldn't get sued by David Coverdale for co-writing. <laughs> wow. But, uh, yeah, this is him redoing himself. Totally forgettable. Totally, like, you're repeating yourself and not even nearly as close. I, I, I mean, this shit, you know, you know, for being Rainbow, this makes Black Sabbath Forbidden sound like fucking sabotage. This shit's fucking horrible. Uh, really, really forgettable song. Can't fucking stand it. What do you think, Ralph? I fucking love it. I think oh, it's a God. great song. Oh, I can God. totally hear Coverdale Hughes sing this. Yeah, it does have that. Yeah, and it would sound better. It it, it does have that uh that Deep Purple Mach 5, Pearl 4 version. Wait, 3 version. <laughs> yeah, Mach 3. Mach 3, yeah. It does totally have that vibe. You know, I can totally hear... And I love that. I love that about this song. It's Richie, you know, going uh, going back to the Deep Purple days, which he hasn't done since he left Deep Purple. Because you can't name any song from the Dio era that sounded like Deep Purple. And no, and no. any song from this till, till, till this song. So, oh, I love this song. I think it's a great little bluesy, hard rocking tune that, uh, that I would love to hear Glenn Hughes sing this. I think that would be fucking badass. Yeah, well, I'd rather hear David Coverdale sing the street and the way it's supposed to be. Oh, you didn't like the way Dio did it? Oh, no, he did He did an amazing job. He did an amazing job, but to me, it is, as much as I love Dio, and I think yeah. he did a great job, to me, the definitive version was David no, Coverdale. I, I, I agree, but man, that on-stage version, it may not be as good as Coverdale, because Coverdale's got more of that bluesy. It fits right. the song structure better, but the way Dio delivers it, delivers it on, on stage, the Rainbow right. Live album, the guy is fucking, he does. Um, and I'm not a fan of Dio doing uh, the Ozzy era Black Sabbath songs, but being that was the only Deep Purple song that Dio, that Dio sang, I think he did a phenomenal job, so. I, I think that's the best song on on stage. Yeah. I agree with you, and I really do like uh, Man on the Silver Mountain's version, even more yeah, than, more than the studio one. A lot of people seem to disagree because the studio's got more of a funky Stevie Wonderish feel, which is cool, you know. But that one is more like straight ahead, fucking 
hard rock metal, you know, version of it. But yeah, I gotta agree with you. The version of Mistreated on on stage is the highlight of that fucking album. Oh man, you know what's in my brain right now? These four walls are closing in. Look at the fix you put me in. Man, you're dumb. What's the uh, next song, uh, Ian? Da 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 da. Oh my god, I, I don't know, maybe if, maybe if fucking Thrash or Dire Combat does a cover, maybe I like it better, but I got a feeling like that. No, we're gonna do it, making love and not change a fucking thing. Oh god, alright, uh, uh, stop making me sick and go to the next song. Uh, oh, oh, too late. Uh, Danger Zone. God damn, I'd much rather listen to Kenny Loggins' Danger Zone than this. But I will say this. So-so. The less evil song on the album, my favorite song on the album. Danger Zone. Uh, and and that, that is no badge of respect. That's no saying this is a good fucking song. I'm just saying it's the one that irritated me the less as I was listening. Well, I find that interesting because this is the one that I think is the second, my second least favorite. <laughs> I'm not lying, dude. This song seems rushed, unfinished, and just like, you know, Richie Blackmore's like, dude, come on, hurry up. I want to, like, go pick up that, that little blonde girl that I met that's, like, three years old and do, do a fucking renaissance group with. Uh, I, I don't like it. I, I, this is, there's two songs I don't like on this album. Now, I admit, I, I make it love worse. Um, but this one is just, I don't know, it just doesn't seem, it just seems like a rush tune that, that's not finished, and, and I'm just, I don't dig it, man, I'm not, not a fan of Danger Zone, what's next? Alright, the next one is the last song, thank fucking God, that's one thing I will say about this album, at least it's short, and that is Lost in Hollywood. Alright, what do you uh, think about it? It sounds like Rainbow Musically. I, I'll give it that, but uh, lyrically, it's it, it's you know it, it's it's not the rainbow of old. You know they're talking about the rainbow and the whiskey and blah blah blah. Lost in Hollywood. Uh, all I can say is thank God it's fucking over. And thank God there was only one album with fucking Graham Bonnet. Well, but uh, I, 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 I are you done? Yeah, I'm done. I'm all right. done. I, I think this song is kind of like a pop version of A Light in the Black. Um, Ooh! Yeah, yeah. Listen to it again. It got it has that Light in the Black vibe, yet, you know, you have to shave down 27 minutes. Uh, you know, to, to put it down, what is it, like a four-minute tune? Oh, I love this song. I think it's a great way to end the album. Uh, you know, yeah, the lyrics are like whatever, but I, I dig it. I think it's a... It's a cool tune, and, and yes, it does remind me of uh, earlier Rainbow. Uh, you know, mixed the lyrics. Uh, yeah, it reminds me of Light in the Black. That to me, it's wow. like. Wow. But you know, it, I'm not saying it sounds like Light in the Black. It's got the vibe. It's like if you were to, you were to fucking give Light in the Black to to Puff Daddy. <laughs> oh, man. I will say, Light in the Black is my favorite uh, Rainbow song. I absolutely worship that song. Uh. And, uh, and while I love Stargazer, and I said this on the radio show the other day, I don't know if you heard this. No, I did. But, but uh, we, we had a listener request Last in Line. Right. And Last in Line 
is one of my favorite Dio songs ever. And I actually prefer Last in Line over Stargazer. Oh, that's cool. And, and that's not that's not saying I hate Stargazer. That's just saying how much I love Last in Line. But Light in the Black, to me, is what how most people see Stargazer. I know I'm in the mar- minority. Like, everybody... Uh, you know, along with you, think Stargazer is the greatest song ever. I, I like, I, I like it, but I prefer Light in the Black. And and for you to compare this to Light in the Black, I I just want to say fuck you. <laughs> you know? Well, hey, you know, I mean, I'm sorry, but I do get no. that out of it. I get it. Okay, okay. I get it out. I, there are bonus tracks on this. Uh, I don't know if you've heard them or not. Yeah, I, I listened to the whole thing, but goddamn, I didn't pay. The, you know how many times I had to restart this fucking album? Because a song already played and I didn't even notice it. So you talk about them and I'll just throw up. Alright, the first one is called Bad Girl. You remember this one? No. Bad Girl was the B-side for Since You Were Gone. Bad Girl is actually a bad song. And I and, and I can understand why it didn't make the fucking album. Cause, but but still, I, I would replace Making Love with Bad Girl. But Bad Girl is pretty bad. Do you remember that one? No. No, I don't. All right. Then the next one, which is I love, it was called, well, let's see if I can pronounce this right. Weiss Helm. Yes. Instrumental. Instrumental correct? from All Night Long. And uh, which reminds me a lot of the instrumental that's on Difficult to Cure that I can't, can't pronounce. I, I like this one better. Oh, really? Uh, to me, and this is going to sound crazy, that song I can't pronounce, I think it, it actually says Till We Meet Again. You know, right. In parentheses. That to me is the greatest instrumental Richie's ever done, okay. in my opinion. I can play it on guitar, but uh, this one is in the same vein as that. It just—it's it, that I don't know, man. Richie Blackmore to me is like definitely my top five because of shit like this. He plays with such emotion for a guy that's like an asshole and like such a prick. His fingers are like just pure emotion to me. And this one, this song, like, totally expresses that. But then you listen to stuff like, I'll give you an example, like Rainbow Eyes is a good example. Uh, when a Blind Man Cries, uh, Anybody's Daughter. You know, you listen to the guitar playing on that, it's just, dude, it's like not, it, it's like his heart is playing the guitar, not his fingers. Oh, I, I, I'm glad you mentioned Anybody's Daughter because a lot of people slack on that, and I think that's beautiful, well, beautiful play. The, the thing is, Anybody's Daughter is a goofy song lyrically, so it takes away from the, right. um, the amazing emotion that, oh, yeah. that he's doing in that song. Oh, you yeah. Know, it, it, yeah, the lyrics kind of ruin it. That the, uh, I still love the lyrics. I think it's... I love the, the contrast of goofiness well, and well, its seriousness, you know? I, I, I like, you know, a lot of people bitch about Ian Gillen's lyrics because it is very abstract and goofy, but he has a way of pulling it off, you, you know? And, uh, you know, shit like, uh, even though it's not one of my favorite songs, but a song like Mitzi Dupree, you know? It, it, but it's so Ian Gillen, you, you know? But uh, he pulls it off, you know? Look at his lyrics on, on Born Again are way different for Sabbath. But the way he delivers it with the conviction, it sells it, you know, I believe. No, I, I agree with you. I, I, you know, again, Deep Purple, man. Fuck, what yeah. a band. What a fucking band. Like, everybody in that band was top-notch, you know? And, uh, but, you know, just like, but that's the way Blackmore is. You know, Blackmore just works with the most top-notch musicians with the exception 
of uh, the first Rainbow album, which again, that that's it's it's a different type of top notch on because I think everybody in the first Rainbow lineup was amazing. It's basically right. it's basically uh, uh the, Al, it's Al. Al. Yeah, Al, Al with the with Richie Blackmore playing guitar. Yeah, and right. I, w- I will say that is uh even though Light the Black is my favorite Rainbow song, Richie Blackmore's Rainbow overall is my favorite Rainbow album, and it was Ronnie's as well. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, mine again. You know, I, I'm just right. I'm just right. Uh, right. And I even prefer Long Live Rock and Roll over the first one. Really? Yeah. Well, really? but then again, I don't think Long Live Rock and Roll would. Well, yeah, Gates of Babylon, but dude, and I know it's kind of a deep track, but Self Portrait off that first Rainbow album okay. is so good. You know, when I met Ronnie, I asked him, did he? Because uh, Blackmore's Night covered Self Portrait. Right. And I asked him that. I said, Do you hear, uh, you know, because it was brand new at the time. I said to him, uh, Ronnie, did you hear Rain- uh, Blackmore's Night did self portrait? He was like, Did they? I go, Yeah. And he's like, mm, How is it? You know, I was like, That's all right. I mean, it's not as good as your version, you know, which I meant for real. I'm not saying this for kissing well, the of, of course. You know, but but yeah, of course. It, but I, honestly, I, I thought it was all right, you know. They did, they, they've covered a lot of Rainbow. If you listen to Rainbow, early Rainbow, you listen to 20th Century Greensleeve and Temple of the King, all that is Blackmore Knight type music. That's Renaissance before, right. before but, he did that. But 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 to me, Dio's the one that sells Richie Blackmore's Rainbow. It's it's the perfect marriage of that with Dio's aviance, if you will, yeah. and, and, and no, lyrics, their lyrics and delivery. What, what's your favorite song on... Uh, well, I guess it's probably Gates. Is Gates your favorite song on Long Live Rock and Roll? Definitely. Mine, mine is Lady in the Lake. Even though it's a blatant ripoff of the Walken song yeah. by Led Zeppelin, yeah. uh, I, I love it. Oh, that's that's a great fucking song. And when I was at the casino like two years ago when I saw Boston, there yeah. was a there was a slot machine that was Lady of the Lake. And I thought, let me try this since it's a cool rainbow song. Like, I won 93 bucks on my first shot. Look at you. I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm the type of guy that if I win even 30 bucks, I leave. Because that's how those casinos cocksuckers get you. They throw you a little money and you're like, oh, I'm I'm, I'm lucky tonight. And you end up yeah. with less than 200 bucks. But no, yeah, I won $93 and I was out of there. I just All saw right. Boston for free. All righty. Well, let's fucking wipe our ass and flush Well, there's still a couple dirt. more. Uh, oh, there is? Uh, yeah, okay. but they're not, they're not actually... Uh, oh, Oh, bonus tracks. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no. Go ahead because I do have an important point to bring up after you're done. Yeah. Um. Th- there's another song on here that's called "Spark Don't Mean the Fire," and that's a song that turned into "No Time to Lose." Right. And, right. And I'm glad they changed it. It's still I, cool, I, but not as good. I, I do remember that one. Yes. And then there's another one called "Ain't a Lot of Love in the Heart of Me." that turned into Love's No Friend. And again, just like Spark, uh, it's not as good. But you know, it's like a work in progress. But but it sounds good. It's very well recorded and stuff. But yeah, there you go. But you know, and also this deluxe version brings like all night long instrumental, a bunch of instrumental tapes. And then there's like a an all night long version where it's a cozy Powell mix. Right. You know, but you know, I mean, uh, so if you, if you do like what, uh, the song, I, I think uh, the deluxe edition is for you. 
Uh, here's one thing I will say because uh, I was listening to this album, you know, because I want to play it multiple times. But I was listening to it while I'm doing chores around the house, so I let the whole deluxe edition play. And there were songs that I really fucking hated. And when I heard the instrumental versions, I didn't hate it as bad. I was, and I was very surprised by that. Because the way I listened to it, I just thought everything was wrong with the song. Right. But, but then I heard certain songs instrumental, I was like, well, it doesn't annoy me as bad right now. So it just, hey, I mean, I, I am biased. I just do not like Graham Bonnet. Um, you know, but uh, yeah, if you love this album, definitely pick up the deluxe edition. What's fucked up is they have a deluxe edition for uh, Rising, Long Live Rock and Roll, and Down to Earth, but not for the first one, right. and not for not for any of the Joe Lynn Turner era. Uh, I will say I prefer the Joe Lynn Turner era to this, but not by a lot. Uh, I still think they're headed in the wrong direction, and uh, and it, it, it starts getting way too slick. But I just personally, just to my ears, I prefer Joe Lynn Turner's voice to Graham Bonnet's. This was released July 28, 1979, uh, produced by Roger Glover, and it was. This was the first hit for them because, you know, the, the, the Dio era, while it's held in, in, in esteem right now, it was cult shit at best. Because, I mean, at that time, even when he left uh, Deep Purple, disco was on the rise. Hard rock was very out of flavor, and... Uh, Nobody was really gave a shit about what the guy from Smoke on the Water was doing. But now, you know, they're all heard as classics. But back then, it, it couldn't get arrested. And this was the first one that made an impact. So that just shows you, uh, especially here in America, where we could have Donald Trump as a president, you can see why this was the first thing that was a hit for Rainbow. All right. Well, that's uh, interesting. Yes. But uh, uh, again, like I said earlier, I prefer Grant Bonner's voice, but musically, I thought the Joel and Turner albums were better. Okay. All right. Well, why don't we go into pick of the week, Ralph? I know, I, I know you, you're ready. This week, I know you're ready. You already got something, right? I sure do. Oh, well, I was kidding. I know. I know you're being sarcastic, but no, oh, I, I do uh, have something. In the right. ba- and, and it has to do with the show. Oh, okay. And I did explain it. My pick of the week is the incredible album from Alcatraz, No Parole, no parole for Rock and Roll. Um, I, I will say uh, one one thing I don't like about the album is the opening track, Island in the Sun. I, I, I never liked that song. I just It doesn't match the rest of the album, and it's like really badly placed. But other than that, the rest of the album, Jet to Jet, it's a total mom scene living out his fantasy of being Ricky Blackmore. Obviously, because he's, you know, he, he tends to want to be with singers that were with Blackmore. Joel oh, Turner, yeah. Doogie White, uh, yeah. uh, Grant Bonnet. Uh, you know, he even played uh, Dream On by Aerosmith with Ronnie James Dio. Uh, right. Anyway, uh, I think it's a great album. This is Hungry Ingve. This is when Ingve was godly and wasn't so repetitious as he is today. You listen to, uh, in my opinion, the song, there's a song called Prina Corey on the album. Which is the greatest Ingve Monty guitar solo ever in, in that song. And uh, Hiroshima Mon- Mon- Mon Amor, there's a video for it. 
fucking awesome. Uh, too young to lie, too young to die, too young to live. Uh, Bigfoot, Starcore Lane, a great commercial tune, and the last track. Oh my God, Suffer Me, which Grand Bonnet. That's Grand Bonnet to me is greatest vocal performance. Very emotional. It's kind of like a mistreated type vibe to it, and uh, that's my. Um, that's my uh, pick, uh, 1983's No Parole from Rock and Roll by Alcatraz. Minus Island and the Sun, I think it's a perfect album. All right, well, uh, I, I, I'll tell you what. D- just because of your recommendation, um, I will check it out again. I do agree. I've always hated Island and the Sun. I hated it in 1986, and I hate it now. But... Hey, I, you know, I, I do value your opinion, and I, I, I will, I will check it out again and see if anything's changed. Because I'm I, in that, I'm in that mood right now. I'm listening to albums that I initially gave up on, and and let's see if I'm in a different place. You know, you never know. See, I mean, I, I can't say, man. Island of Sun is a horrendous song. Yeah, I, I really, and it's so, it's like, dude, you talk about fucking. Uh, since you've been gone and all night long, dude, this song is a more blatant. Please, I need a hit real bad. Where the rest of the album is a good heart, with the exception of Star Car Lane, which I, is a fucking awesome song, but it's very commercial-ish. But not to the point of Iron Sun. Iron Sun has those really cheesy keyboards. It's, uh, just, it's just so bad. You know, I haven't heard Island of the Sun in, in a few years, but. If my memory serves me right, I would still rather hear that than since you've been gone. Oh, there you go. All right. Um, so my pick of the week, and I'm going to keep mine with, uh, with uh, you know, current for what we're talking about. And that is the first Deep Purple album with oh. David C- Coverdale oh. Oh. And, Glenn, right. and, Glenn, and Glenn Hughes. I thought you were going to say Shades of Deep Purple. Oh, no. Which is no, awesome, I, too. No, I do, I do like, for what it is, I love it. Yeah. But uh, no, I'm talking about Burn. Oh, Burn is awesome. And Burn was one I didn't discover for years. My first Coverdale uh, Hughes era album I bought was uh, Stormbreaker. You know, as you hear people talk and you read, you know, everybody goes more towards Burn. And uh, now I see why. I'm not saying I like it better than Stormbringer because again, Stormbringer to me has more personal memories and stuff. But but Burn. It's just amazing, uh, the title track. And probably my favorite song of that whole era is Might Just Take Your Life. If you go on YouTube, there's a really uh, cool version of Van Halen doing it. So that is my pick of the week. And now we got to go into Fan of the Week. And Fan of the Week this week is Shane Curtis. Shane Curtis, man, you are very active on the Facebook page. I see you there every day during the week when I'm on there. And right now, the Facebook page is better than ever. Ralph is on the page, very active. I am so active on that page that I'm going to be fan of the week soon. Yes, and, and, and so far, what you've been doing, I could not agree more. And the listeners are very happy you're there, and you are adding a lot to the page. We were doing good, we're doing even better now, and I appreciate your activity on the board. So do the yes, listeners. because now I love the board. I wasn't I wasn't happy with the board before, right. but you know we had a big blowout, and now we compromised, and now everything is fine. And I actually enjoy going there now. And it's yeah. and you know a lot of people are like, well, not a lot of people, but I know some people are kind of like, ah, you're bringing some kind of restrictions. Not really. I'm actually the board's not going to be any different, except for one little thing. 
is different, but we're still busting balls and, right. and we're just having a good fucking old time, man. And, and, and I will say this, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm going to humble and agree with you. The restriction that you had me agree to is worth what it's adding to the page. There you go. So, so it, 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 it was the right decision. Well, I very much appreciate you, you feel that way. Yes, I, I, I do. And I was very happy today when, when I went on the page and saw what you did, saw what you contributed, and most importantly, to see how happy the, the fans on the page were to have your contributions. It, uh, it's definitely worth it. Well, all but one, but still, you know, it's still good. And we're working on him. All right, Ian, let's do the plugs. All right, of course, check us out on podbeat.com every week. That's where all our links are. You can also hear us on thatmetalstation.com Sundays at 11 a.m. Eastern and Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern. Also, there's the Dr. Funk Show on That Metal Station Thursdays at 10 p.m. Eastern and Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern. Also, check out my show, Wadzilla Rock, Saturdays at 11 a.m. Eastern. And there's also a lot of other great DJs on there. DJ Metal Mike, DJ Shant, DJ Guilty, DJ Randy, DJ Walter, DJ Kane, and DJ Harley. And I'm sure there's going to be some new ones. Check them out. They're all awesome. Of course, if you're not on the Facebook page, why not? Join that. That's where all the madness happens. If you want to buy anything on Amazon, use our Amazon link that is on the Podbean homepage. Doesn't cost you a penny more. Just click on that bookmark it. And then every time you use that link, we get a little kickback. Also, check out our YouTube page, where Ralph's got some awesome visual versions of older episodes. Also, check out the links to Ralph's bands, Combat and Thrash or Die. We'd also like to talk about some other podcasts that support us and we support. History Science Theater, Trick Chat, The Kiss Room. All right, here's Lee Gersman to plug our shows, and then we're going to play some plugs for some other podcasts that we love and support. Hello, this is Lee Gerstman, and I listen to a show called Wadzilla Rock. It's on a station called thatmetalstation.com. I love the show. Ian Wadley does music heavy rock from when I was younger up until now, and he's got an extensive bunch of cool shit that he plays. And I love pumping my dog in memory to those tunes. Check it out on Saturdays, 11 a.m. Eastern Time. That is Wadzilla Rock on thatmetalstation.com. Thank you. Hello, this is Lee Gerstman. There's a show that I listen to that is totally awesome. It's almost like having a holy fuck. But it's not a holy fuck, it is a doctor fuck. And it's the doctor fuck show. And you can hear it on thatmetalstation.com. It's on Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. 
but it's also repeated on Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Of course, I always like to listen to it twice, because one fuck is never enough on thatmetalstation.com. Thank you! This is Metal Mind, you need to check out the Tuesday Night Thrash Bash with my co-host, Dallas Jordan. 8pm to 11pm Eastern Standard Time. Welcome to the Keepers of Metal Show. I'm ready to DJ. Check me out every Saturday, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on that metal station. Let's rock. All right, Kiss Army. Since 2007, you've been getting podcast, the Kiss Audio fanzine for your ears. That's right, it's your podcast. Every month, Podkiss crew, along with the Kiss Room, brings you Kiss Talk like no one else, whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great Kiss fun. Hi, this is Ace Frehley, and you're listening to Podkiss. Hi, this is Bruce Kulick, and you're listening to Podkiss. The Podkiss, the Kiss audio fanzine for your ears. Hey everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this... Then you'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at decibelgeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll and it's always free. Earpillar, the podcasting and interview news site. To keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear, go to earpillar.com to find out what we're all about. Music's most diverse podcast, starring Luke Innes, Greg Sim Bootlegs, and Mr. T from Germany. New episodes released every Saturday on Podbean. Podcast Addicts and iTunes. The True Alternative Podcast. You haven't listened to Mars Attacks Podcast? What are you waiting for, man? Host Victor M. Ruiz brings you all types of hard rock and metal-based podcasts. You'll find everything from music-based episodes, interviews, to series such as ultra-sexy classic album series, where some of your favorite musicians... Producers, journalists, and show hosts comments on the albums that push the evolutionary chains of hard rock and metal. Get with it and go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out more. Listen to the rock show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's, Gully, G-U-L-L-Y-A-N-D-J-O-A dot U-K, 8 p.m. UK time, 3 p.m. Eastern. The rock show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt. Have you developed paralysis from trying to choose a movie on Netflix? Of course you have. There's too much garbage on Netflix to sift through. 
So join us on our podcast, We Watched It For You. We watch a bad movie every week and try to determine its watchability. We Watched It For You is for bad movie fans, B-movie fans, underground film fans, and cult movie fanatics alike. Don't miss an episode of We Watched It For You, a guide to the lesser-known movies of Netflix, available on iTunes or wherever you download your podcast. All right! Well, if you like this episode, I hope you liked it better than the album, but if you like this episode, come back next week. Because while he might have lost at the Oscars, he's going to win on our show. Sly Stallone is going to join us in the, in the podcast. Are you for real? This one's a lot. Because he, he wrote, he's, oh. like, he's like, hey, yo, Ian. He goes, uh, have you reviewed Man of War Battle Hems? And I'm like, <laughs> not yet. He's like, well, I'd like to talk about that. Oh, I, was, I was like, for fucking Cobra Cabretti? Anything. Dude, you don't have no idea, man. If Rocky Rambo comes on the show, I'm just... Uh, Ian, seriously, I'm going to get really mad if this doesn't happen. All right, well, uh, let's hope uh, everything works out with the lawyers. Because if it does, that's what's next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. I think you'd get pissed if we bring up Brigitte. <laughs> I'm going to talk about Rhinestone. Yeah, that movie rocked. Literally. Rhinestone. <laughs> Get it? Rhinestone rocks. <laughs> it's it's all about Dolly Parton's tits. Yeah, they're big. 